Talking Illinois High School Football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, indeed. It is certainly the most wonderful time of the year. Mitch, the song talks a lot about Christmas, but I can't be convinced that it's not about IHSA playoffs. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna act like it's like it's Home Depot around here. We're gonna start celebrating early because um, <laughs> this is, you know, if you're if you're a fan of even football in general, this is really what it's all about. Whether it's uh, Illinois, any state that you're in, uh, the playoffs is is such a such a special special five weeks, and uh, with with the amount of teams that we have going on uh, still playing, uh, really couldn't be more excited to, to be talking about it. Well, the song says it is the happiest season of all. So we're going to dive into the happiest season of all, the most wonderful time of the year. Welcome into View from the West podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined as always by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, normally we do a recap of the previous week and then dive in to the preview of the week ahead. We're kind of switching up the script a little bit this week. It's playoff time. We're diving into the matchups. We're talking about the teams from all over the state. They're playing teams from our area. We're going to look at the brackets in general, kind of talk about some teams that, you know, we think maybe stand out, whether they're in our area or not, you know, teams that kind of catch our eye or we think have a good draw. So if you want to hear about week nine, I encourage you to go back and listen to our Instant Reacts podcast from week number nine. Mitch, you jumped in on the Instant Reacts. I actually, we called, I called you on my way down uh, Interstate 74 when I was coming back from my game on Friday night. And I said, hey, let's just start talking about what happened. So uh, it was quite a chaotic Friday night. Yeah, uh, it just, it just seemed like so many games were were either going down to the wire or, or just you, you saw how things were were trending and they were either upsets or they had playoff implications or conference implications. And so we saw, you know, teams that we thought that had the outright title, all of a sudden now they're co-champions. We had teams that were on the fringe of playoffs, get that fifth win or get that sixth automatic win. So yeah, it was a, a really fun uh, Friday night and we just had to, had to talk about it because uh, it was just, it, there was just so much going on. Yeah. So that was the instant reacts podcast that we recorded Friday night. So Mitch, Friday, I recorded with you after I got back to the WQAD TV station. I recorded with the score squad, as you uh, as you coined the phrase yep. now. So I recorded that half of the Instant Reacts podcast with them. Got that posted about 1 in the morning or 1.30 in the morning. Uh, got to bed. Woke up the next day, you know, hung out with kids, took care of, you know, some things around the house. And then I hit the road up to NUIC football country. Went yep. live with Kyle Campmeyer. And uh, a couple other, uh, you know, football personalities, as we'll say, from around the area that know high school football. And uh, we talked, you know, live during the pairings as they were being announced. And we broke down the brackets. That was a ton of fun. I encourage anyone who wants to go check that out. Head to NUIC football. uh, Head to to NUIC football on YouTube. So YouTube.com slash NUIC football. It's, uh, you know, the, the video they just posted from the other night. You know, we were live for... Man, we were live for 
three hours almost, I think. And uh, so drove back from there. I think once again, pulled into the driveway about 1245. I uh, had kids waking me up about 630 on Sunday morning. And, you know, we just keep going through. I work today and now it's going to be another late night posting this. It's a busy yep. time of year, but it's great. My, my whole point is we got a ton to talk about. That's why we keep doing all this stuff. So, uh, you know, Mitch, without any further ado, I say let's jump right in. We talked yeah. a lot about the chaos and the upsets that were happening around the area. The Western Big Six kind of avoided that trend. Uh, yeah. We'll talk. We'll start in Class 7A with the Moline Maroons. They end the season at 8-1. and one. They draw a number five seed, which, man, that's that's tough. If you're 8-1, and one, you're drawing a five seed. Yeah. Going up against Hampshire, they do get the home game. They'll be playing Friday night at 7.30 at Browning Field. So for the Moline Maroons, their 21st playoff appearance, they made it in 2019 and had a first-round loss. They are your 2021 Western Big Six champions. Their only loss, Mitch, way back in week two by yeah. two points. So, I mean, they've played great. We've talked a lot about them this year. And now they draw the number 28 seed because the upper classes do it the right way and they seed one through 32, which we can all yep. appreciate. So yep. the number 28 seed Hampshire, the Hampshire Whippers, Mitch. So let's yeah. jump into let's jump into this matchup for Moline. Yeah, um, like you like you talked about, Moline had just a heck of a year um, in in a in a gauntlet of a conference. The Western Big Six really proved that you know they were everything that we thought they would be, um, and, and then only that week two loss to to Bennett. Um, we, we saw that defense have that really impressive streak, 18 consecutive scoreless quarters. Uh, mid, midway towards the end of this, the, the regular season, I should say. Um, and, and, you know, with even with the five seed, um, they were number nine in the AP poll uh, in the week eight poll. The uh, week nine hasn't been released yet. I don't imagine that they jumped up a little bit. But, um, you know, with, with Hampshire, they've got they've got a tough one coming in. Yeah, I think, you know, Hampshire was from the Fox Valley Conference. They haven't made the playoffs in a few years. They The last time they made a playoff appearance was 2015. They are three-time state football champions in their history. A um, couple back in the 70s and then most recently in 1995. So not, not exactly recent anymore. You know, yeah. time flies. You know, I guess the 19, 1990 doesn't seem that far away for me, but the 90s, right. have, you know, have been a while now. So anyway, six of the 10 teams in their conference made the playoffs. So they were battle-tested. Their final... Uh, regular season game was a loss to Cary Grove, a top-ranked team in Class 6A. So they've been tested. Um, you know, who are some players that you look for, Mitch, when we're talking about Hampshire? Yeah, um, looking at the Whippers, and, and we'll get to that nickname in, in just a minute. <laughs> um, and let, let me just say this too, as as a as we go forward here, the the way that the kids and teams and coaches and the technology that's available to them is, is truly incredible how they utilize it. If that was around in my time, I probably would have been a heck of a lot better player. Um, it's, it's so, and it's so easy for, you know, um, us as we do this research into teams that we might not see. And I imagine that it's a lot easier for uh, Moline's coaches or any coaches that we talk about and any players that uh, are going to be up against these teams that they can go online and they can see these teams easier because it's, um, you know, even, even in your world and the TV world, it's a heck of a lot different than it used to be, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So, uh, just wanted to get that out there because, you know, I, I didn't know anything about Hampshire, but with, uh, with, with huddle and, and Twitter and things like that, uh, it makes it a lot easier, but, but and, Mitch, back to, and, and yeah. Mitch, before you go any farther, I got to give you huge props. 
because as people go through and get these little game capsules from teams not in our area, I'm giving all the credit to you. You did some real homework here. You had, um, you know, the assignment. I didn't even necessarily ask you to go through and do it, but man, it was done before we could even talk about it. So proceed, yeah. but thank you for your I, Again, it's, it, it goes back to the, the it's, it's just such a fun time. It's, it's fun to see, you know, different teams. It's fun to, to kind of find out about them. So uh, yeah, pleasure was all mine. So back to the, back to the whippers, like you said, that they've been battle tested. Um, that, that conference is really, really tough, but a player that you're going to see a lot um, in this game is when, is this a game on Friday? It is a Friday yes, night. Friday, yep. Yeah. Friday night. So you're going to see uh, their quarterbacks, a dual threat, dual threat guy. His name is Tyler Ficus, Ficus. I'm not quite sure. Um, but the, a true definition of a dual threat quarterback, he's got over 3000 all purpose yards, 30 touchdowns through the air and on the ground. Um, really getting some interest from colleges. He's got a big target in the name of Devin Yeats, who has a pair of D1 offers, might have more, at least a pair. Um, so this is a really, really dynamic offense. Um, coming out of the Fox Valley, like we said, they, they played Kerry Grove in the last, uh, the last game of the year. They actually lost their last two regular season games pretty handily um, to two bigger schools. They, they lost to, uh, to Algonquin Jacobs and then Kerry Grove, but had some really impressive victories throughout the year. They beat Crystal Lake, Crystal Lake Central uh and crystal lake prairie ridge so um despite coming off those two losses this is a team that really can move the ball and from off the tape um this is going to be a team that really tests that moline defense well that's what i was just going to say when you start hearing you know three thousand all-purpose yards 30 touchdowns like that to me stands out immediately and we'll talk about moline's offense and we've certainly talked about them a lot but moline's defense has been what's gotten a lot of the headlines this season yeah and i think that that is a good thing right now going up against a team like this that has such a, you know, the weapons they have on their offensive side of the football. But yep. yeah, I, I think Moline's defense is going to be tested, but this is what they've, you know, planned on. This is what they've worked for. So I, I think it's a challenge that obviously they are more than willing to accept and more than willing to handle. Yeah. Um, on Moline's offensive side of the ball, obviously we're going to see Alec Ponder. Uh, we're going to see Riley Fuller. We're going to see Pablo Perez. My biggest question is, 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 is Matthew Bailey healthy? Will he play? Um, I do not believe he played in the finale against Geneseo. And you, you kind of did see that Moline offense struggle a little bit. I, I think they had four interceptions. Maybe I think Ponder threw so very uncharacteristic, um, but makes a little bit more sense when, when Bailey wasn't out there. So, not going to speculate. I hope he is healthy because when this Moline team uh, is clicking on all cylinders, they are very, very hard to beat. Um, and if he's not, how do they, how do they overcome that um, against a, a good Hampshire team? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And then it also gets back to if your defense can keep you in the game and you don't have to put up that, you know, 46 points or, you know, the big number necessarily, if your defense keeps you in it, you can score when the opportunity arises and, you know, you can, you know, play tough and limit their chances on offense. I think that could go a long way for the Maroons. So, yep. um, yeah, seven thirty Friday night. So they'll get they'll get off and roll into the playoffs. Uh, one of the first teams we'll see um, in the playoffs. They'll be in uh, Class Seven A in the northern half of the bracket. So that's Moline versus Hampshire. Mitch, should we move down into Class Six A? Yes, another, another right. Friday night game, another Western Big Six game. That's right. Friday night, Rock Island Rocks get the eight seed at six and three, going up against the nine seed Springfield, also six and three. Uh, Mitch, as you said, Friday night as well, 730. So lots of action in the Metro Quad Cities on Friday night to kick off 
our playoff yeah. season uh, in the IHSA in this part of the state. Yeah, and then and there's there's other games that are going to be played on Friday night. We'll talk about that in a minute. Which one? Not going to go off a tangent about it. I don't like that. But um, <laughs> what you know, what a great what a great thing for the Quad Cities to have to have so many teams, uh, you know, not only eligible but to be high enough seeds to host games. So I hope I hope all the area is is excited. You know, I told my family uh, in Morrison to go to Fulton just because it's going to be a close game. The, the environment's going to be going to be pretty cool. Um, so I hope that the area can appreciate that because there's, uh, it's good to have extra football. It's good to have playoff football and uh, they're going to see some good teams. Yeah. So let's talk about, um, Rock Island versus Springfield, the senators, they come in with a record of six and three, like we referenced, you know, they're a battle tested team. They play perennial state powers, sacred heart Griffin and Rochester in conference play. Actually that's central state eight team, Mitch, or that central state eight conference. That was the conference that was brought up by uh, Channel 1450 early in the season when we said that the NUIC was the best football conference in the state. And yeah. they spoke up down there and they said, well, hold on, we got a conference here. And, uh, you know, I, I believe it. it. It's a good conference when you're talking SHG, Rochester, Springfield's yep. been good. This offense is dynamic, but their defense can be a little bit susceptible. Eight opponents eight of their opponents reached double digits. So something to watch for, but Mitch, who do they have on the offensive side of the ball that can, you know, that could really make them go. Yeah. Well, probably one of the, the most experienced and probably one of the most talented that we're going to see. They've got, they've got a dual threat quarterback in Rashad Rochelle. Uh, he is a Rutgers commit. He is going to the big 10 next year. He's been a four year starter for the senators. He's been, he's uh, eclipsed a thousand yards passing in every, uh, Every year that he's played, he's over 6,000 in his, in his career. And, I, I, again, watching the film on, on these guys a little bit, they do a lot because if he's not throwing, uh, they can run option out of the shotgun. Um, they've got a running back named Tyree Coleman who is if – if he hits a hole, he's gone. He, he really is. So um, this is a very, very dynamic offense. Um, and, and, again, we're going to – as we talk about these teams tonight and – We'll talk about teams be then six and three or five and four. A lot of the times when you play teams out of these areas, you almost have to have to kind of ignore that. You have to just wipe that record off because the teams that they're playing are coming from higher classes. They're coming from bigger programs. So um, you don't always want to take a whole lot of stock into these. I think Springfield kind of fits that mold a little bit um, because if their offense is going, they're going to be pretty hard to stop. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've seen Rock Island's defense can be susceptible uh, this yep. year. We've seen them give up some points, um, but we also saw a couple, you know, good defensive efforts. You know, I look back at the game against Galesburg, the final score ended up being 33-30, but they held them to three points in the first half. So yep. when they had to make stops, they could. This defense could stand up to it. So that's my question is, you know, can the Rock Island defense really pass this test in what seems to be a pretty big test on the offensive side of the ball. This is where they can do some damage. Eli Reese, 13, uh, 50 passing yards, Quintarian Brooks and Trey parks, both coming off big games in week nine, Marion Anderson over 500 yards receiving. He became one of the go-to players for him. And I was really impressed with Kai Rios. When I saw him uh, this year, I feel like he's a big body. And when they need a play, uh, Reese could find him. And so if they can get something going, build that momentum early for this Rocks team, we know they can put up the points. 
Yeah, cer- certainly has that kind of feel that the two offenses could go back and forth if they're both clicking. So, yeah, all, all the names that you've you've mentioned have proven that they can do that. Um, and uh, so I, I'm looking forward to this game. I, I really am because I think uh, that we will see a game more like that, more of a a, a run and gun uh, shootout type of game. Um, but both teams really just have to be careful because of both offenses are so are so electric when they're when they're running at full speed. Yeah, uh, Mitch, we do actually have a little bit of breaking news about this game. I don't know if you've heard this yet, but um, Springfield's head coach, Roy Gulley, actually announced, I think this afternoon or today, that he is resigning at the end of the year. So this is his last run. So that adds an interesting dynamic to this because, you know, your head immediately goes to, well, how does this affect the players? How does this affect the team? And I think the first thought is they're going to want to win for him. They're going to want to have yeah. a lasting positive memory and they're going to want to go out and give him something to, you know, to be proud of as he, you know, as he walks away from the sideline. So it, I, that really caught me off guard when I read it. It's a weird, seems like a weird time of year to announce that, yeah. that you know, that you're planning to resign, but that was um, what I just saw this afternoon before we uh, went on to the podcast. So um Another quick note I thought was interesting, Mitch, you had had it in our notes here. Rock Island has made the playoffs 24 out of the last 28 years. So, I mean, we know that they're a good program year in and year out, but man, that really shows the test of time. 24 times in the last 28 years. That's quite an accomplishment for the Rock Island Rocks. Yeah. Um, yeah, like like you said, just they're, yeah, even, even if this roster is not, this program is certainly uh, well-versed. In, in playoff football. So uh, good to have them back. Like you said, it's their 25th overall appearance, third straight. So, um, you know, we've seen them over the past couple of years over ben, with Ben Hammer, really putting together a program that is going to be consistently in this position. Uh, and that's, that's good for, good for us, good for them uh, and good for the area for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Ben Hammer's done a great job with this program and continued to keep it at a high level and try to push it to that next level. So uh, we'll see what the Rocks can do. Yeah, I will say as we've been talking about this, I, I looked more into this this story with with the Springfield coach. Looks like he is citing health issues, so it's you know um, that while the timing of it is is a little uh, a little odd, um, it looks like that is the reason. So um, we, we wish we you know uh, even though we don't we don't cover him, we don't know him, we do wish him the best and that uh, they have a, uh, a successful game. Not gonna not gonna wish them to to win or lose. Just uh, to hope that they do the best for their coach because uh, that's always tough to to go out, especially if he's been there a while. I'm not real sure, but uh, uh, yeah, like you said, it, it's going to be a little bit extra motivation, I think, for these players. Yeah, he's been there a few years and he's had some success. I mean, they, they knocked off Sacred Heart Griffin, I think, two years in a row. So if you're doing that, you know, in Springfield, you're doing something, yeah. you're doing something right, you're doing something well. He was actually, before he went to Springfield, was uh, at West Prairie. So he played a okay. few of the Lincoln Trail teams. Um, he came this way with um when he was with west prairie so um okay. you know be- yeah best of luck to them and uh you know hopefully all is well for him and he's you know making a decision that's best for him moving forward but yep. mitch let's move on to class 5a the 5a north a team that's very familiar to the playoffs and very familiar to class 5a the sterling golden warriors they end the season at seven and two they are the four seed going up against the number 13 seed chicago st patrick at five and four For Sterling, their 32nd playoff appearance. Last appearance was in 2019. They lost in the second round. Mitch, we've talked a lot about Sterling this year. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of the big names are here, but a few names are, you know, not, you know, not on this list because they've, they've been injured or they're banged up. So for this Sterling team, it's about maximizing the talent that you do have on the field and to see if you can get, you know, get things done. This is certainly a coaching staff that I believe can make that happen. I think this team is always well coached and ready to go come game time and come playoff time. Yeah, and I think we even saw, you know, uh, in the final game of the year, you saw Drew Kested really, really playing well at the quarterback position. So, um, you know, they, they run him a lot. He can throw um, to, to get, uh, you know, Antonio Tablante some help. Uh, he went over uh, 900 yards alone in the Western Big Six. He, he led the conference uh, this year. I think he was over 1,000 and certainly over 1,000 all-purpose yards on the year. Um, but for Sterling, the, the, you know, the, the drum marches on. This is their – uh, 18th playoff appearance in the last 19 seasons. So 32nd overall. So um, yeah, coming off, coming off a great year, um, tough loss to, to Moline to really end uh, the end their conference uh, championship hopes, I guess, in week eight, you would say, but still a very good, very good season um, and, and a good opportunity here against St. Patrick to, to advance to the second round. Yeah. So they're hosting St. Patrick on the Saturday at two o'clock. The Shamrocks come in with a five and four record, as we mentioned, out of the Chicago Catholic League, the East Suburban Catholic Conference, the Purple Division, their 15th playoff appearance. The last appearance uh, was in 2013. So it's been a few years since they've been in the playoffs. Actually, kind of an interesting note, St. Patrick is the alma mater of Newman's head coach, Brandon Kretzmer. So kind of an interesting note there. Um, They did allow more points than they scored this season. So as a five and four team, um, you know, that's not the, not the best recipe, uh, but, um, you know, they still managed to get the five wins and get into the playoffs. Their top, um, player to watch, I would say is uh, linebacker, Alex Gorowski. If I said that correct, um, you know, great talent on the field and, uh, on the wrestling mat, he's got a lot of schools looking at him. So Mitch, how do you think he will impact this game? And, um, you know, can he do things to cause fits for Sterling's offense? Yeah, they certainly he certainly can because this the St. Patrick team, the Shamrock team uh, at five and four, they're not a pushover. I'll say that um, there's only four teams in that, and I don't know how that works because it's like they're within a division, within a conference, within a different color of the <laughs> color wheel. Yeah, but there's only I think there's only four teams like in their specific league. So you know they played five other other games uh, around the city. So again a program where maybe don't take a whole lot of stock in the five and four program or, or sorry, the five and four record because they, they do play a lot of bigger schools, but yeah. Uh, Gorowski, again, we, we're sorry if we're pronouncing that wrong. He's a big body. They, 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 they call him a linebacker, but he lines up on the edge. Um, and so he, he can really be a nightmare matchup for, for linemen. Uh, but he also drops back and, and not just into the flats, but he drops like, way back into coverage because he's just so quick. Um, they do have him run the ball on the other side of the ball too. So um, a, a top talent, if, if you get past him, if you run away from him, he is certainly not out of the play, at least according to the tape, he will track you down. Um, so, so yeah, that's something that uh, that's certainly going to have to account for to know where he is uh, at all times. Yeah, certainly. Something interesting to note, Mitch, when you start looking through the brackets here, if Sterling is able to come away with the win, in the second round, there's a potential that they would go up against number five seeded Rochelle. Mm-hmm. So Rochelle has Chicago Payton, the 12 seed, and we'll know, we'll know they play Friday night. So we, we would know come to game time for Sterling who their second round opponent would be if they won. But just an interesting note that they could, uh, you know, rekindle that old rivalry 
between yep. Rochelle and Sterling, if Sterling can get the win. But, um, you know, for Sterling, I think it's kind of what we talked about when we first started here. Um, obviously, the, you know, that dynamic player on the defensive side of the ball for St. Patrick. But what can Sterling do to keep their defense, keep their defense playing at a high level, but then also, you know, maintain consistency on offense? You know, you're missing some pieces. Certainly, we've talked a lot about them, and I don't want to harp on that. But what can you do to utilize the talent that you have on the field? And like you said, Keston looked really good the other night. Man, at the quarterback position for Sterling, it seems like, and I know it's not this easy, as John Schlemmer would probably quickly remind me, but it seems like it's plug and play, you know? Like every year you see these highlights of a Sterling quarterback cutting right through the middle of the field, you know? He gets the blocks and he's gone. Now that's certainly a credit to offensive line play, but also just the system and the athletic, talented quarterbacks that they find in that position. And Drew Kested fits that bill. When you see him make those plays, he fits that mold to a T. And to Blonte, I think he continues to improve. I think week in and week out, we're learning that he is that go-to back. He's taken that, you know, he's taken that control of that as the go-to running back. And he's done a good job for a team that really needed him. They needed that guy to step up in that place as injuries started to mount. And he's done a great job. So we'll see what Sterling can do here. Um, you know, if they can continue to play at that high level and put up some points, but also on the defensive side, really show how good they can be defensively. Yeah. And I was just going back over the St. Patrick web or their, uh, their record and, and kind of going back to talking about not maybe taking a whole lot of stock in their record. Here are their losses. They lost week one to a De La Salle collegiate out of Michigan who went on to be undefeated during the year. They lost to St. Rita. Uh, you always see them in the playoffs out of, out of the Chicago region. They finished at seven and two. They lost to Fenwick, who finished seven and two, and they lost to Loyola, who was nine and zero. So again, a very, very well battle tested team. So at five and four, uh, they are not a pushover. So I'm, I'm really excited to see this game. Um, also, St. Patrick, pretty cool uniforms. So that'll be a good look um, on uh, at Sterling for sure. The St. Patrick Shamrocks. It just yep. it, it sounds that sounds sounds about right. Yeah, so, it'll look it'll look nice on the field. There you go. So Sterling and Chicago St. Patrick Saturday at two o'clock will be the kickoff for that one. Uh, Jim Spencer and Ging and, uh, and the group uh, Jerry will have a great call and a great production there out in Sterling for playoff football. So uh, may have to try to track that one down and watch that game on Saturday. All right, Mitch. Well, let's move into class 4A. The yeah. one team we have in class 4A, the Kiwani Boilermakers, they end up getting bumped up to 4A. They're one of the smaller 4A schools. Mm -hmm. So they are 8-1 and one going up against the number 14 seed Plano at 6-3. and three. So this is Kiwani's 11th playoff appearance. They made the playoffs in 2019 and lost in the second round. You know, Mitch, I think the story for Kiwani is they've had a tremendous season. They've played great. They did unfortunately have the stumbling block against Sterling Newman, a team playing really well. They had a stumbling block in week nine. So their only loss of the regular season comes in week nine. But Mitch, maybe that serves as a motivator, you know, get, yeah. get the boilers ready to go. And now when things really count, you know, turn it on, play great football again. Yeah, it's, it's certainly, that was a, that was a, a Newman team uh, that we'll talk about, you know, here coming up, that's really on a hot streak. So, um, and, you know, a perennial, perennial team. So, um yeah, it's better to lose, uh, you know, in the regular season than to lose in the playoffs. So maybe 
maybe Newman showed them something um, that they can, that they can work on um, and they can fix because uh, again, like we said, now is the time where you don't want to make those mistakes, but in week nine, it doesn't serve too much of a, of a, uh, of a purpose, you know, unfortunately for Kiwani, they don't win the outright division title. They do. They will share that now uh, with Princeton, but absolutely does not take away from what a, what a terrific season that they had. We talked about, you know, uh, records that they had back in like the 1940s and things that they, that they beat. So, uh, you know, this, this offense, this team, they're going to bounce back, uh, you know, against a, a, tr- a traditional uh, powerhouse in Plano. Yes. Let's talk about the Plano Reapers out of the Kishwaukee river interstate eight blue conference, 14th playoff appearance. Their last one came, coming in 2018, Mitch, they won two state championships back to back in 06 and 07. And did you see one of those? Did you see the Plano Reapers back in the day? Yeah, I think, I don't know if you were with me. It might've been with Nick Bull, but I, I want to say it was in that 20, 2007 season. They, they played a game at Alito um, and they obviously, they won that, but they were, I think they were like a five seed at nine and one that year. So it was a really tough bracket, uh, but they ended up winning that game uh, and went on to win, win the whole thing. So those were, those are really good teams. Um, you know, they're, they're back in the playoffs for the first time since uh, 2018 where they lost in round one. Uh, but this is a really, really good Plano team back to, you know, uh, the Plano of old where, uh, you know, they, a tough schedule. They only lost to the first or the top ranked team in 4A, Richmond Burton by a touchdown. Um, but, but Greg, talk about their season because they haven't really played a full, a full scale. Well, yeah. So what's interesting is they have two wins coming via forfeit. So they've only played seven games in total. Um, you know, they have played really well in their other ones, though. They've shut out opponents in three of their wins and their three losses came by a combined 16 points. So yeah. maybe their record's a little bit deceiving. They've, they've played really well. And, um, you know, they've had, even in the loss to Richmond Burton is a great football team. Mitch, what do you see from them? What players should we be watching for on their team? Yeah, really, really good offense here. They've got, and again, in seven games, they've got a running back named Ray Jones. He went over a thousand yards. So that's, that's averaging a pretty good clip per game. Uh, but one of their most dynamic players is a sophomore, uh, a kid named Wally Johnson just a dynamic playmaker who he lines up in the backfield. He lines up in the slot. He's on special teams. He's on defense. Uh, and, and the huddle tape that I saw, he scored all four ways. So it's certainly a guy that Kiwani's going to want to key on um, and, and stop from, from making that big play, maybe a, a momentum shifting type of play where they can, you know, uh, if Kiwani's playing them tough, you don't want to give them any inch there. Uh, the good news is for the Boilmakers is that they have an offense that can really do the same thing Plano. I was just going to say, when you talk about dynamic playmakers, let's go to Kiwani and their side of things. It starts to, for me, when you talk about their playmakers, Keontas Patterson, uh, over almost 800 yards, nine touchdowns, another three receiving touchdowns. I mean, he's their feature back. He's the guy that can run inside. He can bounce it outside. He just makes guys miss. But I think for as good as he is, what makes this offense so dynamic is that Will Bruno, senior quarterback, yep. can throw the ball around the yard. He has had 22 touchdown passes. He ran in four more. I mean, he's a captain. He's a senior leader for this team, a three-year starter. He's just one of those football guys, you know, like he he's just a high football IQ. He knows what he's doing out there, and he's able to really lead this team. You also, he's throwing to Jordan Johnson and Nico Poe, guys we've called out throughout the season. Mitch, their offense 
has done great, but I've been really impressed, especially in their win over Princeton, this Kiwani Boilermaker defense. They were flying around to the football, making plays, really limiting what a very good, tough Princeton team could do um, back in week, uh, I don't know, five, six, whenever that was. So, man, if they can get back to that type of inspired play, man, this Kiwani team, when you look at the bracket, you know, I think there's potential there. They could make a run. Yeah, and like like we said, you know, uh, taking that loss in in week nine against Sterling – it should serve as an opportunity and not a roadblock here because they'll get back on track. Um, but like you said, that defense, the way they played against Princeton, that defense is going to have to, sh- to, to really come to the field again. Um, is this game on Friday or is this on Saturday? This game is on Saturday, one o'clock. In okay. Kiwani. What? Yeah. And, and what a great, you know, ex- uh, experience that'll be for the folks at Kiwani because they've shown to have good crowds all year and, and playoff atmosphere just, just bumps it up to 10. So yeah, for the Boilermakers, bring that defense back. Stop that that Plano offense. Get to round two. Let's move along, Mitch, to uh, we'll get into class 3A. And now we start seeing more of our teams from our local area. A team we just referenced yeah. a lot, the Princeton Tigers. Their only loss, which we just referenced, was to a, you know, to a Kiwani team that was playing some really good football that night in that rivalry game. Princeton finishes the season at eight and one. They go up against number 15 seed North Boone, who comes in at five and four. This game will also be a Friday night game in Princeton, seven o'clock kickoff. Princeton's last playoff appearance, 2019. They made it all the way to the semifinals and lost to Byron, I believe, seven to three in a yeah, really, so like that, yeah. really great football game, a defensive effort. So uh, this is actually a rematch for Princeton in 2019's first round. They beat North Boone 61 to 26. That game, they rushed for 451 yards. So certainly, uh, Princeton looking for a repeat performance uh, going back to the 2019 playoffs when they played this North Boone team. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, going in, looking at the, looking at the bracket, um, Princeton's, we, we talk about a lot on the show this season, how many times they, they get to 40 points per game, or, or sorry, that they score 40 points. Uh, they're only one of seven teams in three averaging that high. So uh, again, the offense just continues to click for Princeton um, and, and a playoff ready team. Um, you, you know, it's definitely some turnover from that, that, that team that went to the semifinals, but still some, some players and coaches obviously that are still there. So I don't think they're going to get caught up on anything. Um, I do think though, and we'll get to, we'll get to North Boone in a minute, that this might be a game that Princeton is going to want to have to prepare for that maybe could be a shootout. I think North Boone has some really good players. Um, and so luckily Princeton has the offense to kind of go toe to toe with a team like that, uh, because I think they'll score against North Boone for sure. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you look at this Princeton team and I think they may have had maybe the headlines stolen from them when they got beat by Kiwani. Yeah. But outside of that one night, they've quietly gone about their business and played yeah. really good football. I mean, you look at Tegan Davis, uh, 2,264 total yards this season. Um, you know, over 1,400 yards passing, 17 touchdowns, over 824 yards rushing, and 14 more touchdowns. Uh, making great connections with Bennett Serens and Matt Lucas. You know, th- those two wide receivers have been dynamic, and Augie Christensen running the ball along with Logan Glancy. This Princeton offense, you know, has gotten the job done consistently throughout the season like you said, averaging 40 points per game. 
man, can they keep this going? You know, North Boone may have their hands full in this one um, defensively. Yeah, um, that, that's where that's where North Boone might have uh, an opportunity uh, to be exposed by Princeton, uh, but their offense is certainly uh, Princeton-like in that they have playmakers all over the field. Um, they, they were six and zero in the spring. They they were atop the Big Northern Conference, uh, and we know how good that conference has historically been. Um, they had they had different players then, so there was some turnover going into the fall. But they've got a junior quarterback named Chandler Alderman. He's an elite baseball prospect. He's a really really good pitcher. Uh, but he was over 400 yards and six touchdowns against Winnebago, so he can throw the ball. His main target is a guy named Will Doach. Um, he has 71 catches. 1,151 yards and 18 all-purpose touchdowns. So that's a dynamic duo that they'll have to key on um, because they have made teams in the Big Northern and elsewhere look look silly in some of these games. Um, you know, they, they come in with four losses, but they were all to playoff teams. So uh, North Moon's going to come in, not not going to be too scared uh, of Princeton's experience and, you know, the Princeton's history. Um, but as I said, if this is a game that was going to go, you know, punch for punch, I like Princeton uh, because I think that they uh, that, that North Boone will have a hard time stopping that Tiger offense if it's clicking like we know that it can. Yeah, overall, I think I like this draw for Princeton um, in the first couple of rounds. I think there's a chance for them to really, you know, to really play well and to advance. Looking down the road, there's a potential matchup with with IC Catholic. We'll get to them yep. in a minute, but I I think that this Princeton team. They're experienced. They're playoff ready. They're not going to get caught up in the nerves of the playoffs. They've been there. These players may have only been sophomores or freshmen, but they've been there. They've experienced it. So I think that they'll be ready to go. I think this is a a team that's well coached by Ryan Pearson. And I, I think there's a chance, you know, this, this Princeton team could make a deep run. I think, I think there's a shot at that. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly it, it'll be it'll be tough for North Boone going into the jungle on Friday night uh, under the lights. It's always always a tough place to play. So, um, yeah, look, looking forward to this one, because I think it has the like I said, I think it has the the ingredients to be kind of a shootout type of game, high scoring. Uh, but ultimately, I, I do like Princeton in this one just with with the way Tegan Davis is playing. I mean, he had six touchdowns in week nine. So um, just really like the way Princeton has played since they uh, regrouped following that Kiwani loss. Yep. Let's move right along in class 3A. Mitch, we got a pair of our local teams meeting up yeah. with each other in the first yeah. round here. Dupec at eight and one is the three seed. They're going up against number 14 seed Mendota at five and four. This game will be on Saturday at one o'clock in Pecatonica. Dupec, your 2021 NUIC champions. Mitch, their only loss this season came to to a favorite to potentially win state in Decatur, St. Teresa. And yep. that was in a game that they picked up last minute when, um, you know, they had a team cancel on them. So yep. you know, credit for playing the game and for really testing themselves. And they played well. They came up just short in that one. So on the other side of things, Mendota comes into this one at five and four. And uh, that they have three straight losses coming into this game. But Mitch, this was a team that was playing really well early in the season, and we saw some pieces of a, a very talented football team. Yeah, um, you know, their first season in the in the track, and obviously that is a, a gauntlet of a conference schedule. So, um, you, you know, you saw games against 
uh, you know, Newman and, and I believe they lost to Princeton. Um, it just kind of caught up him a little bit, but um, they've been playing better. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's not that they, they haven't been because they've still got, uh, you know, Ted Langraff at their, at the QB, uh, Uzi Angelo and Isaac Smith running the ball. So, um, you know, can, can Mendota for them, I think what they'll need to do is utilize their size. Um, yeah. Yep. You know, they have a, they have a very big, they have a very big line. Um, and they'll just have to, to really be on their game here because Dupex going to come in with a whole lot of firepower. Yeah. Well, speaking of that firepower, we've talked about him a lot this year. Dupec led by quarterback Hunter Hoffman. He went for 1,186 yards, 19 touchdowns. But I think the big development this year for the Rivermen is the ground game. I think they've really established a running game, which complements the pass more. Trenton Taylor has led the way there over a thousand yards rushing and 11 touchdowns. AJ Mulcahy and Jake Anderson lead the way on the defensive side of the ball. 75 tackles for Mulcahy, 60 for Anderson. So I think that becomes, can if Dupec can establish themselves defensively like they have over the past, you know, over this course of this season, and then, man, if they get the ball rolling the right way, if they can avoid, I think the, the, the question becomes up front is, can Mendota really, you know, impose their will up front? But, man, I think that this Dupec offense is a lot to deal with, a lot to handle. Yeah, you, you named him. Another name is Bo Seaton, who's had a really – really good year. I think he can shine in this matchup. So, um, uh, again, we, we've seen Dupac play so well this year, tough draw for Mendota. Um, but again, they, they early on in the season, they certainly showed, um, that they are, they are a very good team and, uh, looking forward to it. Like you said, two, two area teams, uh, that we cover, um, uh, cross conference and, and seen in the playoffs. That's what, that's what we always hope for. Cause it's, it's cool to see. Yeah, this is a really cool matchup. And I think what really stands out to me, what intrigues me about this matchup is there are two programs that have come from or kind of in a similar trajectory, but they're a little bit, the time frame's a little bit different. Whereas I think Mendota, Keegan Hill, uh, their head coach is now in his fourth year at Mendota. And when he took over, this required a big rebuild. They haven't made the playoffs since 2014. And Mitch, since that time, They've never won more than one game until this season. So mm-hmm. the rebuild has been huge for Coach Hill and for this group. And they can now check one box. Making the playoffs is a goal. You can check that box off, regardless of what happens from here. And I think similar to what Dupec has done, they've come a long way as, as a co-op. You know, when they formed, they had a lot. They had a long way to go. And here they are. They made the playoffs in 19. And now they're back in the playoffs again. And I think they're kind of ready to take that next step. You know, I don't know if Mendota, certainly Mendota is here and they want to make some noise, but I think that now Dupec is, they made it in 19. Now they're ready to make some noise and make that next step and not just be happy to be in the playoffs, but to win a game in the playoffs. So you see what I'm saying? I think that there's both teams have come along the same path and Dupec's maybe a year ahead of Mendota and where they want to get to. Oh, and, and look, Mendota, you know, beat Erie Prophetstown in week one. Erie Prophetstown had a heck of a year. Yep. Um, you know, they, they lost to Princeton, but they slowed them down. One of the few teams that did, um, didn't play well against Kiwani. Uh, their Newman game was 7-7 at half, and they played Prue St. B tough. So those are, you know, uh, talked about with other teams that have had four losses to playoff teams. Mendota's no different. So 
Um, I, I, I might've been speaking a little too harshly about Mendota there. Cause I didn't mean to do that. Um, but they, they will have to take advantage of their size and their offense will have to click because we've seen that in their losses. That's what's lacking. Um, and it just puts too much of a hardship on their, on their defense. So, uh, and Dupex is going to give, give them a lot. So, um, so yeah, I, I think this will be a fun game. And, and again, cool to see two, two teams playing against each other in, in round one. Yep. So that one will be Saturday at one o'clock in Pecatonica, the NUIC champion Dupec going up against the Mendota Trojans. Mitch, we're staying in 3A, staying in that northern bracket. The number 11 seed Monmouth Roseville at six and three. They will go on the road to Elmhurst IC Catholic at oh eight and one. Yeah. So the road to Elmhurst at seven o'clock Friday night. This game, congratulations to Monmouth Roseville. It's their fifth playoff appearance. Their last appearance was in 2018. They made it to the quarterfinals. So Monmouth Roseville, you're back in the playoffs, but man, I I think, you know, who are we kidding? This is not the draw that anyone wants to see in round one, especially when you got to go on the road to play at IC Catholic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Titans fans, if you're, if you're listening, I, I look, you can do it. I, I, we, you know, we've, we've heard some other people that, that I see is, is gettable. Yep. I don't know if I would fall into that category just with anybody. It's, it's nothing against the Titans, anybody. And cause they were a team that could have been playing up. They could have been playing down. I, I think they certainly probably could have played up and really, uh, well, made, most made of their, run. most of their regular season was against teams that were certainly up, you know, bigger than right. this. So for right. sure. Um, so if if you're if you're unfamiliar with IC, um, that they were the top ranked team um, in three A before losing in week nine, um, they are five time state champions uh, and they've won three in the last five years. Um, the the Knights are just really good. Um, I I texted you Greg last night that when I'm watching the film and, and we have in our notes here we have a, a a section called players to watch and I wrote just about everyone. Um, yeah because they are just so good. Um, but again, they, they lost, they, they can lose. I'm not trying to, to paint such a dire picture. It is just a, a really uphill battle and it's a tough draw. Um, they play a lot of players. They play a lot of sophomore uh, players. This is a team that's really going to stick around. Um, they've got a quarterback named Dennis Mandela, Mandela and KJ Walker, two sophomores that see a lot of playing time. I think one of the biggest nightmare matchups for Monmouth Roseville is going to be for a guy named Connor McCoy, um, a, a two-way player. He lines up as tight end, and he is their top receiving uh, threat. And if they're running the ball, he is coming at you. Whoever he, whoever his assignment is, he is just coming at you. So uh, look, look for him. If if Dennis Mandela isn't playing quarterback, they, they got another guy named George O'Brien. Um, who, if he's not taking snaps at quarterback, he's on the defensive side of the ball, intercepting it, so they get the ball back. Um, but maybe the most impressive player that I that I saw on film uh, is a junior linebacker named Jaden Mims, um, who, who no offense, Greg, I think he could probably start for Northwestern, um, <laughs> both both in terms of of size and speed, because we might, he is, we might take anybody at this point. So yeah. He is just an absolute wrecking ball. He just, he covers a lot of ground for, for a guy, his size, um, incredibly fast. I think he's number 53. You'll know who he is right away. Um, but, but again, 
if you're listening, Mono the Roseville fans, I, I'm sorry to be playing such a, 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 a telling such a, a, a dire story to you. But let's let's get back to this, Greg. Let's get back to what Monmouth Roseville can do because we've seen it. We've seen their offense do really well. They've got one of the better quarterbacks that we cover in the area in Silas Braun, and he's got weapons that, that can make that offense click. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, we'll we'll flip to the positive side of things now. Yeah. Mitch, let's let's talk positives if, here. Look, look, if 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 Monmouth if, if if Monmouth wins, I will eat crow, I will do everything. <laughs> it's just it's nothing personal against the Titans. It's just one of those things that Icy Catholic is just so good. It, um it's 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 almost uh offensive to IC to say that someone could beat them just because they are so good. Um, but, but again, I, I'm talking them up way too much. I feel bad about this. Uh, so Greg, take it over and, and win the fans back. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk, you know, what Monmouth Roseville has here. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. I really like, I've been really impressed with watching Silas Braun and the way he yeah. plays. I think that he's obviously a good quarterback, but he's a leader and he's a, He's a vocal presence on the sideline, and I think he's almost um, almost a coach within within the team. I, I think he really um, takes a, the job of being a leader at the quarterback position seriously. That's what you need in this game. Get your you know get your your prime leader and Silas Braun out there, and let's give it our best shot. You know he had oh, almost fourteen hundred yards passing, fifteen touchdowns, ran for five hundred yards and twelve touchdowns. He has a dynamic weapon in Derek Chandler at um, almost 1,200 yards receiving or rushing, I'm sorry, with eight touchdowns. And then Charlie Fletcher and Logan Bratcher um, also catching passes. So really, I like what I've seen out of this Monmouth-Roseville team. And, you know, even in the game I was at, they lost to Erie Prophetstown. They played really well defensively in that game. And I felt like it was just a couple of plays that got away from him and then turnovers that killed him. So let's limit turnovers. Let's go in there, have a great game plan. Jeremy Adolphson will draw it up. Perfect. And man, let's, let's see the Titans pull an upset. Let's go to Elmhurst. Yeah. Let's get our, Look, let's I'm get all, one of our I'm, teams. Yeah. I'm all for it. Yes. I'm just saying it is a, it is a, it's, it's like the bears against the bucks. You know, I'm just, it's, it's just, <laughs> It looks like that to me. I'm sorry. I'm not making any any friends with Monmouth. It's no offense to you. Again, it's it's the Knights and just how good they look on on film. I, I hear you. I mean, you see state champions 16, 17, 18, and you look at the schedule they play and the talent that goes on to D1 schools, and it's, yeah, it, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Hopefully the players, and I'm sure the coaches, you know, for the most part, try to block it out and try to go up there and they got to step on the same field you do and, you know, see what well, happens. And, and, and again, this is a team that we, we really saw all year that we knew that they were going to be in kind of that qualifier uh, classification kind of gray area. Um, and so again, they, they fall where they fall, but a, a team that you could have said, we're going to, they could have said, we're going to play up. And you would have said, yeah, that makes sense because they could do it. Um, so uh, again, call what you will of them playing in this, in this division um, or what you think of the qualifiers or lack of qualifiers. Uh, but uh, again, this is, it's just, a, it's a tough draw, but all the best to, to Monmouth Roseville, please come uh, away with the win and uh, make me eat my words. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Make him do that. That would be great. Yeah. All right. 
Let's move into class 2A. Mitch, another local matchup for us. And is there any two teams playing better right now? Sterling no. Newman and Mercer County meeting up in the first round. A pair of six and three teams will take the field in Alito at one o'clock on Saturday. Man, this is this is maybe the most intriguing matchup of round one in our area. Yeah. Obviously, the two local teams help, but just the way that, man, a few weeks ago we thought, what's wrong with Sterling Newman? Like, are they going to get in the yeah. playoffs? And now yeah. here they are. Don't worry about Sterling Newman. Silly us for even, you know, worrying that about that. And Mercer yeah. County, in the meantime, has rolled off to five wins in a row. They're sitting now at six and three. They've looked really good as well. Yeah, I think I, when, when the two-way bracket came out on Saturday, I think I tweeted this when I saw this. I said two of the, the hottest teams are going to match up in week one. And not only that, two of the most historically good. Both of these programs yep. uh, have been to the playoffs 20 outside of last year with, with, with COVID and no playoffs. 20 consecutive playoffs. Both teams have been there that long. Obviously, wow. Mercer County, yep. that, that goes into when Mercer County was Alito, was still uh, two programs that have been in the postseason 20 straight seasons unreal um so so yeah not only from the aspect of them playing so well recently but just two traditional powers it's what you know uh what the playoffs are all about uh so i, I i'm so excited for this game really yeah and you kind of you know it's kind of easy to forget because of the way things have gone newman's still the defending state champion yeah you know? i when i when i typed that out i said oh yeah that's right i don't think <laughs> I, when we talked about during the season, we would talk about Lena still being the defending one. I don't think we ever brought up that Newman was, I just, you just, you know, it's been so long. Um, and, and like you said, the way that Newman was kind of looking, it was, you know, we, we just weren't sure, but yeah, still the defending two way state champions uh, with the comments. Yeah. So as we said, both teams coming in playing really good football right now, Newman has won three straight, two big wins over playoff teams in Mendota and Kiwani. That, that win against Kiwani is, yeah. is huge. I mean, we've talked about how good Kiwani has been. And to come away with that win in week nine, that's really impressive. I mean, obviously, that's Kiwani's only loss of the season. So that's yeah. a really impressive win. And Newman is one of those teams that they're built for playoff football, Mitch. They're going to control the yep. game with a strong rushing attack and a solid defense. And I don't think that they're going to do very much to – to get real cute. This is Newman no. football. They're going to come out and do what they do. And they're going to usually do it very well. Yeah. They're, you know, they, they had a couple of injuries, you know, they get Marcus Williams back. Um, and that's when we, that's when Newman was kind of in that flux period where they were what three and three. I don't know if they ever, I don't think they were ever two and three, but I think they were three and three. Um, and then they got Marcus Williams back and all of a sudden it was like a light and it was like, okay, yep. Newman's back. Newman's here. Um, and that they're just going to line up and they're going to punch you in the mouth because that's what they've been doing for the last seemingly back to the Poposa years, you know, 30 years or so, the, longer than that, 40 years, whatever it might be. Uh, so, yeah, good to see Newman a, a, at, at their best um, and going up against Mercer County team at their best. Yeah, well, let's flip over and talk a little bit about Mercer County. This is their 11th playoff appearance, the 21st consecutive for Alito going back to the green dragon days, 12th straight as Mercer County, they were a champion state champion back in 2012. Um, 21st consecutive playoff appearance. Like you just mentioned, like we've talked about here, they're the winners of five straight games. So also playing well, they played six teams that qualified for the playoffs. So they've been pretty battle tested. 
Um, David Meese has been the engine that makes them go. He rushed for just under 1,300 yards in seven games plus a quarter. So he was knocked out in the first quarter of week one, and then they actually had to forfeit week two. So even in a little bit of a shortened season, he's put up 1,300 yards. He, he's the workhorse for them. He gets the job done. Yep. Defensively, they've scored a defensive touchdown two weeks in a row now. So their defense has really stepped up at the right time as well. Mitch, this was a team that I thought there was some opportunity there to come away with some wins, and, and they proved it. They, they came away with the victories to get to 6-3 and three and put themselves in a good spot here in the playoffs. Yeah, what what a response, really, from, like you just said, they, they lose that that first-round matchup to a, a, what would turn out to be an undefeated Farmington team, and then they had to, to cancel their, their second game, which I would have loved to, to seen. Um, yeah. Maybe 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 not at that time of the season, because I think I think Mercer County is peaking. So if, if they would have played Knoxville in week nine, I think that would have been a really, really fun game to see. Um, but, but yeah, they, they found what is working for them. Um, they, they've put up 50 plus in three of those five games. So um, really, really, really strong from, from Mercer County. And they're going to need it. As we talked about with Newman, uh, a very stout team, a team that's going to control the ball. So when Mercer County has the ball, they're going to want to make sure that they have opportunities to score because they're not going to get a lot of possessions in this game, barring any turnovers. I think that's huge. Yeah, I think that we just referenced uh, Mercer County's defense playing well. I think that's a big key for them. They have to create one or two turnovers would be massive for this Mercer County team. And also, you have to take advantage of any opportunities you get to score. Because if Newman gets their way, they'll keep the ball out of your hands. They want to limit the touches the Mies is going to have. So I think that's where... You have to take advantage of your opportunities on the opposite side. Can Marcus Williams continue to do what he's been doing? Because, you know, similar with Meese, this is man Meese going up against Williams, the two, you know, workhorse running backs, you know, squaring off toe to toe. This is what each Mm -hmm. offense wants to do. It's establish that run game, which team can do it better. That's, that's who's going to win this game. Yeah. um, I think I might've mentioned it. Just two teams that are peaking at the right time. And so it's, you know, um, uh, what is it? A movable object against, I don't even know what the metaphor is, but kind of like that. Um, <laughs> Something like that. The un- yeah. unstoppable force. Yeah, unstoppable the force against object. Object. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Like that's, that's what, what that's they what... used to say about Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, right? Yeah, well, hey, this is, what was that? <laughs> WrestleMania, what was that, WrestleMania 3? Yes, this is, correct. This, is, this, is, uh, this has the potential to be that way. Um, or uh, if, if you go to, you know, uh, the boxing day is a, an Ali Foreman type of thing where it's just two haymakers um, just going punch for punch. It's, it's going to drag out uh, and, and someone's going to come out on top. So um, I, I really, really like this game in, in two way. All right. Well now, now we're going to be planning uh, a wrestling podcast in the off season. So that, that sounds good. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Getting back to it. It should be a great matchup, really intriguing matchup. You win the Lincoln trail and the three rivers meet up with each other in the postseason. Um, I'll be intrigued. That'll be one that I'll keep on my radar for sure. When's this one, Greg? This game is Saturday at one o'clock in Alito. So, and if you've never, we talked about earlier in the podcast, if you've never been to a football game, a playoff game on a Saturday at George Pratt Memorial field in Alito, that's, that's a great place. Yeah. One of the best. It's a great place to watch a football game anytime, but a Saturday, you know, get that, 
Yeah, it's it's a perfect that's a perfect setting. Yeah, the, the, the flags, the banners, the noisemakers, they'll be out in full force. It's it's what this this uh the season's all about, but it's it hits a little bit different there in Alito. Yep, absolutely. Let's keep moving down the list. Mitch, we actually had five teams from our local area in this two A bracket. So we'll keep moving yeah. down to another team that we knew would be in this two A bracket. They've played really well this year. The Knoxville Blue Bullets. They only stumbling block this year was against A-Town, but they still end up as the Lincoln Trail co-champions. Outside of that one loss in week eight, man, Mitch, this team has looked dominant. They have strong line play on both sides, really creates opportunities for some really good skill position players. They're up to number eight in the week eight poll. Not sure where they've ended up recently, but they go up against number 13 seeded Bishop McNamara at five and four. This team is obviously similar to IC Catholic. They come from a big suburban Chicago Catholic league. They've been battle tested. They play up. They play a lot of bigger schools. They beat Riverside Brookfield in week nine to get into the playoffs to earn their fifth win. And Riverside Brookfield's a playoff team in 6A. I'm not exactly sure what, yeah, where they're at, but they're a bigger school and they came away with it, you know, an easy win. So again, not maybe a great draw for Knoxville, but this Knoxville team has looked really good this season. Yeah, they they certainly have. They're going to have to run the ball and they're going to have to control the, control the clock here. Um, Because this, uh, again, this is a Bishop McNamara team that is not five and four. They are, they are so good. Um, this is their 36th appearance in the, in the playoffs. Uh, they, they went to the quarterfinals in 2019 and lost. They are five-time state champions. Um, uh, last came in 2015. All under legendary coach Richard Zanani, um, who, like we talked about with Springfield, this was well-known. I actually saw this before I even knew um, that this matchup was happening. Um, they had a big ceremony for him for the game. I mean, immensely loved in the community because he's been there. For he started in 1975 as Damn. head coach of Bishop McNamara. Um, he's gonna he's he's gonna finish with over 350 wins and five state titles, like we talked about. Um, and, and so they gave him a, a hero's send off, and I'm sure the team is gonna want to do the same. Uh, like you said, they're upset. They had another one earlier in the year. They at the time St. Francis was ranked number four in 4A, and they beat them by 20. Um, so uh, again, they were five and four, and they were receiving vote. They were they were four and four at the time. And they were receiving votes in the week eight A people. That's how good that this team is. Um, they, they've got a they've got a guy, sophomore running back Tony Phillips. He visited Notre Dame and Tennessee this year. Um, major D one offers. He's got 900 yards on 100 carries and 15 touchdowns. Um, went went over 300 yards in that season finale. They've got guys on defense: Colton Provost, Alexander Willis. Also, guys that get major interest from college programs. So this is a team that has really, like you said. Uh, they, they play in that Metro suburban where teams just beat up on each other. Um, and, and the bigger schools might prevail. Uh, Bishop McNamara is really going to be a tough team, uh, for Knoxville. Uh, not said they can't do it because Knoxville has certainly played, uh, the way, but again, like I said, I think they're going to have to control the ball, limit the turnovers and play well on defense. Yeah. So my question becomes, can Knoxville establish themselves up front? Can they play that strong line play that we've seen them do this year? And, you know, get the ball to your playmakers. You know, Peyton Hankins and Kellen McClay are the guys that have gotten you here for the most part. You know, they've done a lot of the damage. And 
you know, establish them early and, uh, you know, see what you can do. And I think that, um, you know, yeah, th this Bishop Mack team is good. They're five and four and they've played some very good competition, but Hey, let's go four teams of, you know, four teams yeah. have beaten them. So, um, this Knoxville team, I think comes in playing good football, bouncing back after the eight town loss. And, you know, they went for two, they, you know, they, they went for two and they yeah. tried to tried to get that win when they were losing most of the game and they fell up short, but that, you know, that's fine. Move along. You're sitting at eight and one now, and you played really well in week nine, keep yourself healthy. And, um, yeah, it's a challenge for sure. It's not a typical five and four team, but yeah. that's what Knoxville has established themselves as a year in year out playoff team. So, you know, you got to be up for this test. And I think, I think that they will be, um, they seem to be pretty excited about this matchup. Um, you know, I think they got a little bit of their mojo back. Um, obviously with, with a town's loss, Knoxville kind of fell into that co-champion. Obviously they deserve it. Um, but having lost to a town earlier, it didn't look very, very, very good at chances of being co-champs, but I think that gave them back a little bit of their juice. Um, so I, I think that they will come out firing um, and hopefully uh, we'll be up to the task of stopping this fighting Irish team. Yep. Well, let's move down the way to potential opponents for Knoxville yes. or Bishop Mack, Erie Prophetstown and Clifton Central. Erie Prophetstown is seven and two, the five seed. Clifton Central at six and three. They are the 12 seed. This game will be Saturday at two o'clock in Erie. So this is the Panthers' first playoff appearance since 2014. You know, Mitch, this Erie Prophetstown team maybe a team that kind of flew under the radar coming into this yeah. season. And now they're winners of seven straight games. They lost their first two and they've rolled on ever since to claim their first conference crown as a co-op. And I heard it's possibly the first time that Erie has been a part of a conference championship ever in school history. Okay. So really interesting note there. Um, but yeah, for Erie Province down the co-op, it's definitely their first time uh, sharing, you know, together getting a conference championship. So credit to this program, credit to Coach Abbott, you know, a great season by them. And, you know, they find themselves in the playoffs and ready to hopefully make some noise. Yeah, a well-deserved, you know, accolade for them, because even back in my in my day, um, you know, in, in 04 and 05, Erie was always a tough team. Um, so that's just when you get those two communities together, that's just, you know, uh, the, the makeup of both of those towns. So, yeah, good to see them finally get uh, finally get a title uh, division title under their belt. Uh, but now they they got to put that in in the in the trophy case and move on because I, I think they have uh, higher aspirations and it's going to start here against Clifton. Um, and uh, they're going to need their players. You know, Colby Franks, you know, you've seen him in person. Um, you know, maybe the maybe the best dual threat quarterback we have in the area um, just knows how to win. He's always there to make the play. Um, Mason Misfeld, Connor Sibley uh, are, are his weapons. So, um, you know, the way that Erie's been playing, I like it. I like the momentum that they have here. Um, but Clifton's, uh, Clifton's not going to be a pushover here at all. Yeah, so this Clifton Central team, the Comets coming out of the Vermilion Valley North Conference, they made the playoffs in 2019 going to the state quarterfinals. They were 6-0 in the spring. So they played really well in the spring. And now here they go. They grab six more wins going 6-3 and three this fall. Um, the Comets have made the playoffs 19 of coach Brian Spooner's 22 seasons. So, you know what he has established there and been doing it for quite a while now has been very good. It's a, it's a name you are expecting to hear 
every fall come the brackets, and this year is no different. They're a dynamic passing offense, playing out of the shotgun, multiple formations. So, you know, that's what's interesting is uh, quarterback Luke Chauvin leads that aerial attack. Has Erie Prophetstown seen an offense quite like that in the Three Rivers? Um, you know, a little bit. There's some teams that we know can pass, but um, this may be a challenge for them. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe the way that they played against Monmouth Roseville, um, you know, with Silas Braun being as good as they are, maybe reach back into that offensive uh, fireworks that you had in that game against Rock Ridge. That was a, that was a shootout game um, that that probably helped propel them to where they are. Honestly, um, you know, after their their two losses, they played Sherrard, and then uh, really, I think that that I, I don't remember how it ended if it was last second or come from behind or whatever it was. Really close win uh, against Rock Ridge really set the table for them um, to, to close out this this season. Um, but like like you said, Luke, Luke Chauvin, they they run a lot of different formations out of shotgun. They'll have receivers. Uh, trip squads the, you know they'll, they'll have them spread they've got a back in the backfield uh sometimes they'll go five wide so yeah it's, it's a really really good uh passing offense um let me let me give you this Craig all right because I saw I saw this uh because their last game was a rivalry game against uh, moments they yep. have a trophy called the Kamahawk trophy and it is like a comet with a tomahawk on it it is <laughs> awesome it is so cool um, so I, again, it's, it's a combination of, I would, I would assume the moments is the, the Hawks or the Blackhawks or, or something. Um, but the, the, the coma Hawk, comma Hawk, I guess it's Comet. So probably comma Hawk. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about before where we don't see that very much. That's a really cool one to see. So, uh, cool to see them bring a little bit of old school tradition, uh, still alive. Um, and, and again, again, this is going to be a good matchup. It's going to be good for Erie Prophetstown. Um, Colby Franks against, uh, against the Comets quarterback. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. This matchup intrigues me. You know, I don't know. Unfortunately, if Erie Prophetstown gets the win, I don't know if they can go home with a cool trophy like that, but they would certainly be happy. With <laughs> they just would want to out. trust me. They would want to. It's awesome. <laughs> well, they'll probably be happy enough to just move into the second round. Yeah. But you know, Mitch, we talked about that win over rock Ridge to really propel them outside of that game which was, you know, kind of a back and forth wild shootout game. Other than that, they've really done a pretty good job of holding opposing offenses in check. So, you know, we've talked a lot about this offense for the Comets being dynamic. Hopefully what we've seen with Erie Prophetstown will continue to pay off and they can continue to play well, even in an offense that looks a little more diverse or a little different than what they've maybe been used to seeing in the Three Rivers. And I just, you know, I look at the end of the day, the most exciting player I've seen all season is Kobe Franks. When they, when they need a play, this is their go-to guy. And I think, you know, you know, you're seeing a real, like a big time gamer or just a real tough, you know, tough player when, you know, everybody in the stands knows where the ball's going, who's going to be running the ball. And he still makes the plays, you know, the defense knows what's coming. You know, John in the last row knows what's coming, but you can't stop it because he's that tough and he gets protection up front. So that for Erie Prophetstown, can they keep that momentum going? And can you get that big play when you need it, when we've seen Colby Franks do it this year, year, time in and time out? 
Yeah, and in, in Clifton's games this year, you know, they haven't really scored a lot of points. They've been over 30 points only three times. Um, and, and in their losses, this will be a key for Erie Propest Sound, um, that they haven't scored a lot of points. So they, they got shut out in their, their first round – or, sorry, their first uh, week game. Uh, they only put up six against Iroquois West, which we'll talk about in a minute in, in another matchup. Um, and re- in week eight, they lost to a Seneca team who finished four and five. So, you know, um, if you can keep that offense off the field or you can, you can create turnovers and, and, uh, and certainly if, if, if Erie can score, uh, they're going to move on to round two. So uh, I look forward to this game. Uh, I think it'll be a good matchup for, for both teams. Yeah, this one will be in Erie Saturday at two o'clock. So uh, best of luck to the Panthers. They got playoff football back in Erie. So we'll see if they can get the job done and move on to the second round. Mitch, we got one more team in Class 2A. It's the Rock Ridge Rockets. They win in Week 9 over Orion to become playoff eligible at 5-4. and four. They will take on number 2-seeded Tri-Valley at 9-0. and oh. So, you know, they'll have a tough test here, but I think that they kind of expected it, knowing that if they get that five wins, it's going to be a tough matchup in Round 1. The Vikings, Tri-Valley Vikings, they were a state champion in 2015 in Class 2A. They last made the playoffs in 18 and lost in the quarterfinals. Mitch, this is a team that's only allowed 69 points all season. The most they've allowed in a game is 14. So yeah, a tough defensive matchup for the Rockridge Rockets in round one. Yeah. Um, again, a battle-tested team. They played six teams that, that qualified for the playoffs. Uh, in week eight's AP poll, they were number three in 2A. Um, and, and again, teams that that are, are like that uh, benefit on both sides of the ball. They've got a quarterback, Andrew Petrelli. He's a dual threat guy. They run with him a lot. Um, he's not the greatest passer. Um, not that he's a, not that he's a bad one, but they run with him a lot. Um, he's really good on defense too. Um, one of his main targets is, is a guy named Grat Fatima. Uh, and then again, I think they have a lot of two way players. He creates havoc on both sides of the ball. So um, now when you have a defense like that, you beat them with a good offense, and that's certainly what Rockridge brings. Yeah, absolutely. The you know this Rockridge team, we've saw it in the spring, and we saw it carry over this year. They didn't win as many games as I'm sure they wanted to, um, but they still finished with five and four. Braden Dean and Peyton Locke still looked electric this year. Yep. I think if they can establish line play up front, if they can create holes for those guys, we've seen it. I mean. I saw it firsthand in the game against Erie where they fell just short, but man, it's similar to Kobe Franks. When they needed a play, Braden Dean was making that play. Peyton Locke was making that play. So this is a five and four Rockridge team that I think is coming in with a lot of confidence. I heard yeah. Jeff Henry talk about it with, um, with Jim Taylor on WRMJ last week talking about, yeah, they're five and four, but the way they played against Kiwani and the effort they put in and won against Orion to get into the playoffs, man, this is a five and four team that feels like they can play with anybody. They can compete. They have the talent to do it. Well, they're, you know, uh, two points away in Erie Prophet Sound. They're three points away against Monmouth Roseville. And they were a bad, uh, unfortunate possession against Kiwani uh, from being what? Seven and two, seven and so, two. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, yeah. So yeah, they, that offense is certainly there. The defense is there too. Um, so can you, can you limit the mistakes? Can you, can you keep that uh, Tri-Valley offense in check? Um, and, and if you get your, your horses going, um, you're going to have a real shot here at pulling off uh, 
pulling off the upset, at least in terms of seeding. So I, I look, I look for Rockridge to bring their best in this one. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's nine and zero versus five and four, but I think it's much closer than that. This is one that I would that I would circle as my potential, you know, my potential upset alert. You know, what's yeah. a, you know, come March Madness time when you're when you're looking at that five twelve matchup in the NCAA brackets. This is one that I would have circled in the uh, in the football brackets here. So yeah, no doubt. Best of luck to the Rockets. They will be on the road in Downs, Illinois, at one o'clock on Saturday for that one. So, Mitch, that gets us through Class 2A. We're moving in to Class 1A. The overall, the top seed in the northern half of Class 1A, the Abingdon Avon Tornadoes. Now, it's interesting. They end up being the co-champions of the Lincoln Trail Conference. They had beaten Knoxville in Week 8, but they did stumble, and they lost in Week 9 to a very good, a very hot United team right now. But that being said, Lena Winslow also lost in week nine. So Abingdon Avon is able to hold on to that number one seed in the North. Mm -hmm. So they come in at number one seeded eight and one versus the 16 seed Anawan Weathersfield Titans at five and four. So a battle of Lincoln trail conference teams matching up here in round one. Yeah. um, uh, You, you want to see a town get back to, you know, what they were doing the first eight weeks of the season. Obviously that Knoxville game was uh, an upset in, in some minds, uh, just because Knoxville is the bigger school. They Knoxville had really looked, uh, really looked maybe the better of the two undefeated, uh, at least in, in some eyes. Um, a, a town didn't care too much for that, but um, you know, we, we just got done talking about Kobe Franks. They've got Easton Schischler uh, who, uh, you know, is is a really hard nosed running quarterback. Doesn't throw a lot, but you know, uh, gets the job done when they need to. Um, and Greg, they've got other players that you've uh, you've seen in person. Yeah. So running backs, uh, Drake DeJanis and Parker Darst look really good. And also Parker Stone King is a wide receiver for him. He filled in at quarterback during the middle of the season when Schischler was injured and not able to play. So, you know, a dynamic athlete there that's been able to move around the field for them. On the Anawan Weathersfield side of things, 14th consecutive appearance in the playoffs as the co-op. They went, they went in 2019 and made it all the way to the semifinals before losing to Lena Winslow. Mitch, this is a program we've talked about being that playoff program. You know, they're here every year. Um, you know, they come in at five and four this year. They find themselves as the underdog and they haven't necessarily been in that role a whole lot, but man, they talk about the perfect time, you know, to put up a huge win. This would be the perfect time for Anawan Weathersfield to avenge a regular season loss and, uh, you know, to keep things moving and to do what they've done so well in the playoffs. Yeah. Like like you said, they, they're coming off uh, in 2019. They went to the semifinals. 19. They went to the semis and yeah, they lost to, uh, Lena Winslow in a tough game. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, obviously turnover from, from that roster that was the, one of the Colton Quagliano teams, but uh, the, the tradition and the, the wins, you know, have, have stayed here. Um, I want to, I want to see some consistency from Weathersfield. I, I think that if they, you know, um, if they play, they beat United in, in, in the first week of the season. Um, and then they just kind of, it wasn't all the way this way, but they kind of just went loss, win, loss, win. So I want to see some consistency. I, I know that offense can, can do that in their week nine game against Rova. 
Derek Stickerson really went, went nuts. So I think he's going to have to do that um, uh, again. Uh, so that was in week eight. I'm sorry. Um, but he's, he's their guy. He's their go-to guy. So they're going to have to establish the run because um, A-Town's going to do what they do, um, control the clock and, and just chip away. And so, uh, again, when Anawan Weatherford has the ball, they're going to want to make sure that they get into those scoring positions. Yeah, it's like, you know, I talked about Anawan Weathersfield coming in as the underdog, and they don't find themselves there very often. On the other side, A-Town comes into this now. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2017. But yeah. coming, off, coming off this loss in Week 9, I think now they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. I think they're ready to prove that they are that good football team. And they had one stumbling block against the United team that's playing really well, but that they are that high caliber football team. And they're going to have to prove it because it's, you know, it's hard to beat a conference opponent in the playoffs, a team that you've already beaten once, you know, that's not always an easy thing to do. So um, I I liked what I saw though, out of a town, Uh, you know, they were down 20 to six at halftime when I showed up. And to see them make the comeback and they got back and tied the game in the third quarter and really looked good. And they weren't quite able to hold on to it, but their effort to fight back, I think, showed me a lot. And Easton Schischler looked, you know, really good. He looked every bit the part. He's a hard-nosed runner and he makes plays for this A-Town team. So, you know, we'll see how um, how things go. But I think, you know, this, this A-Town team looks good. And, um, you know, it should be a good matchup of LTC teams in the first round. Yeah. Uh, one of three or four games that with, like you uh, mentioned, it's a rematch of regular season. So uh, these guys will go out on Friday at 7 p.m. So that'll be uh, in Abingdon um, and uh, under the lights on Friday night. Yeah. Well, let's keep moving down the list. Speaking of the Lincoln Trail Conference. The next game down on the bracket, the number nine seeded United Red Storm, who we just talked about in defeating A-Town in week nine. They take on the number eight seeded Iroquois West at seven and two. For United, their first playoff appearance since 2015. Man, they're riding all kinds of momentum right now, Mitch. They're winners of five straight games to get the automatic berth. Their last two weeks of the regular season, they had a win over Rushville Industry, who finished the season at seven and two. And then the big win over A-Town to knock them out of the ranks of the undefeated in week nine. Cormac Flynn, the running back, he was great. He's their workhorse. He got the job done against A-Town. He's been getting the job done all year long. Also, Aiden Parkins, quarterback for United. He was injured and returned midseason, and that really sparked this offense. Yeah. That duo combined for 300 offensive yards and six touchdowns in the game against A-Town. So, those are the names that are getting the job done for the Red Storm. Yeah. What's what's that meme? I, I think I got my swagger back. Is that what that <laughs> is? So, uh, United could be a, a walking version of that. So, um, uh, you know, they, they come in as a quote-unquote underdog here, um, but probably the hottest team uh, in, in 1A, um, at least they are certainly up there. Because, yeah, like you said, with Parkins back, they're back to the form that they they knew that they could get to. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't want to be Iroquois West because, uh, again, this is a, a really hot Red Storm team. Well, let's look at Iroquois West, the Raiders out of the Vermilion Valley North Conference. Mitch, they haven't made the playoffs since 2006, but they yeah. were a state champion in 2003. So yep. they have a little bit of playoff pedigree, but it's been a few years. 
They have a big offensive line. They run out of shotgun power formations under center. So they can, they can do some things on offense. Um, they got a couple big name players, Mitch. Let's go through the list. Yeah, this was, this was a, a fun team to look at on film because they really do have a lot of talent, most notably. Uh, and, and you'll see them uh, this weekend. Cannon Leonard, he, he uh, plays on both sides of their line. 6'9", 265. Oh, man. Um, he is uh, – it runs in the family. His brother is an Illinois commit. Uh, and he's been, he's been on visits and getting a lot of interest from teams like Iowa, Iowa state, Illinois, and Nebraska. So, uh, I, I don't know that he has offers yet as a junior, but he, he looks the part, um, he leads the way for guys like Tristan, uh, Schacht, I think I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, but he's got 1500, just under 1500 all purpose yards, averaging 184 yards a game. Um, uh, and, and another junior, this is three straight juniors that we're talking about. So this is a team really on the rise. If they haven't been to the playoffs in a long time, uh, I would expect them to, to certainly make it to, again next year. They've got a fullback named John Alden who only stands five, seven, and he, he can't weigh more than like 140, but he is solid muscle. He is incredibly quick power runner. Hard, I mean, in all real, you know, honestly, hard to see when he's lined up as a fullback in, in sure. a three point stance. Um, and so he can find a hole and, and sneak through when he's gone. So, um, yeah, really, really good power, uh, team, even if they're out of shotgun that, you know, they're going to run it a lot out of there. So, um, this will be a good challenge here, um, uh, for United, um, you know, having, having just gotten past a town, I think is a good kind of setup for a game like this because the, the Raiders are, are really going to, uh, are really going to be able to bring it um, in any game that they play. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, you look at a guy of Leonard's size, can he make an impact and really slow down what Flynn and Parkins want to do? I yeah. liked, uh, I like what Aiden Parkins brings to this United Red Storm team. He seems like the leader that they needed when he stepped in, he really sparked this offense. I think that's been a big key for what they've been doing now. And, uh, you know, Coach David Milroy, I think, puts these guys in the right spots. I think that, you know, they can make plays through the air when they need to. Parkins can make the passes. He threw, Mitch, he threw a beautiful pass mm -hmm. to the end zone. Um, I, I'm not sure who the wide receiver was, but, man, great play right on the money. Kid falls into the end zone as he's being tackled into the end zone, rolls over, ball falls out well after well after he's down in the end zone yeah I know that there were a lot of United people sitting right in the end zone if you're listening to this I can confirm you might have gotten robbed on that one it was yeah. a touchdown Mitch I sent you the video yeah you, yeah you might have been the loudest of all the fans <laughs> in the end zone there I just I couldn't believe it I and yeah. we're not here to we're not here to harp on officiating that's that's what I'm not. It, I'm not yeah, gonna... it, it just it looked like he kind of came into the play at a bad angle. And when uh, when the receiver kind of rolled, he didn't have the ball. And so maybe that's what he saw. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. It, it was a catch. It was a touchdown. Um, so, but uh, it, it, you got robbed. So anyway, that, I mean, I that all that to make the point of Parkins can make the throws. He can yeah. make the throws when he needs to. So I think if you can keep them off balance a little bit, if you can keep this Iroquois West defense off balance a little bit with Flynn and as athletic and as hard-nosed running as he does, man, he had a couple of runs the other night against A-Town 
where he's moving the pile five yards at a time. I mean, just refusing to go down on first hit. So, um, you know, he's, he's a playmaker for them. And I, I'm excited to see what this United team can do, Mitch, because they're, they're playing great football at the right time. And, mm. you know, for David Milroy and this Red Storm program, they've waited a long time to get back to the playoffs. You know, it, for a program that was kind of a perennial year in and year out team, it's been since 2015 that they've been there. And even that was a first round loss. So I think this program, that community, that Red Storm community is, they're antsy for some playoff football and they got it now. So they will travel to Iroquois West on Saturday at one o'clock. So um, best of luck to the Red Storms. I think they're playing great football right now. See if they can get the job done down there. Let's keep moving right along in this class 1A bracket. Mitch, we got a bunch of teams in this class 1A North. Yeah, I think it was 10. I think it was 10 teams total. Yeah, the St. Bede Academy Bruins, they're a seven and two, the number five seed going up against the number 12 seed, Chicago Hope Academy at six and three. This game will be Friday night, seven o'clock in Peru. Mitch, this is the Bruins' first playoff appearance since 2016. But looking at their most recent schedule, they've won 12 of their last 15 games dating back to the spring. And their losses this season were to Princeton and Kiwani. You talk about a good resume, Mitch. This St. Bede Bruins team has it. Yeah, and they win a couple different ways. I mean, four of their four of their wins this year have been by six points or less. Um, I, I don't, I don't recommend that in playoff time. Um, I would <laughs> like to see that offense really be, you know, the the dynamic team that they are. Um, you know, they showed against teams like Sherrard or um, or, or Mendota in Week Nine. So you know, get, get John Brady, get Tyree Courtney, get Luke story really going, get some points and then control that clock. Like you, like they, you know, like they have all year, cause they've got a really, really good defense. Um, and, and hope's not going to be a, a pushover for them either. Um, an independent team. Uh, so they played a lot of different schools, maybe not the toughest schedule in the IHSA. Um, you know, only, uh, you know, they lost to the only two teams that they played, um, I must have that wrong, but didn't play a whole lot of, of, of solid teams, but they did post five shutouts on defense. So again, if, if St. Bede's going to play the type of game that they have from the past where it's a low scoring affair, I, I don't know if that's the best strategy against the Eagles. Cause I really want to see uh, those, those three guys that I mentioned, Brady, Courtney and story, just really, really take care of business early and put this one away. Yeah. This seems like a game. I I've been impressed with um, the times I've seen Tyreek Courtney I think this is a game where if he can make some things happen, he could take over the game. I think he could be, he could be the difference, the X factor in this one. If he really does, um, you know, some of the damage that we know he can do Uh, dual threat quarterback for the Eagles, uh, Eddie Jenkins. If he can make things happen, the Eagles, they can put up some points. Um, So we'll see if they are battle tested enough. Cause I think that I think this Bruins team, they've played the schedule and their two losses are to two, very good programs. You're looking at three A and four A programs. So, you know yeah. the Bruins have been battle tested. I think that that will that will pay dividends come the playoff season. Now, yeah, and, and, and you know the Eagles, two of their three losses were against the only teams that had winning records. So they played seven teams that that didn't finish the season with a winning record. So as we said, not the toughest schedule, but again, when you're playing independent, uh, when you're coming out of that area, you just you, you you're not quite sure who they're playing. So you don't want to take a whole lot of stock in it, but 
Uh, I think Peru can do it because I think that they've shown, as you said, they've won uh, 12 of the last 15. They've looked really good um, in, in the track this this year and, and beyond. So, um, yeah, just just get out there, get out front early, and then just uh, ride it out. Yep, that game will be in Peru Friday night at 7 o'clock. Mitch, we keep moving right down the bracket here in that 1A North. Princeville, the 15 seed at five and four, goes on the road to Marquette, to Ottawa Marquette, who finishes the season at eight and one. Friday night, the 29th, seven o'clock in Ottawa. For Princeville, they had to win their final two regular season games to become playoff eligible. But man, their biggest win was probably back in week three. They win against Anawan Weathersfield, nine, eight. They had to drive nearly the length of the field to hit a last second field goal for the win. And that's probably what, what made their season. If they don't get that win, they're not, you know, they're not getting to the playoffs. So that was, you know, what made a difference for them. Um, running back Grant Hunt, or so yeah, Grant Hunt has uh, done the work, had 104 yards and two touchdowns to help Princeville get that week nine win over Stark County. But Mitch, the thing that stands out to me about this Princeville team They've only scored 116 points this season. Now they had one COVID cancellation, but when I was looking through different numbers, I believe this is the least amount of points that any playoff team has scored. So just yeah. interesting that they they don't score a lot of points, but their highest two point totals have been in the last two weeks. So maybe yeah. they're playing well at the right time. Yeah, well, and what saves them too is they're a tough team to figure out because their defense doesn't allow uh, a whole lot of points. So they yep. they've won, they've won close, they've lost close. They they just they control the clock and they just play a, a unique style. Um, and they're going to have to do it here, um, you know, against Ottawa, who who you're you're well versed with. And I'll hand it, it off it's, to you. Sorry, Mar- Marquette. Um, Ottawa's a different sorry. school. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, Marquette. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but again, a principal, just a weird team to figure out. They can play up against anybody because of that. So yeah. Can they, can they get the offense going like they have the past two weeks? Um, and the defense has been good all year. So, um, yeah. What are, what are the, uh, what are they going to be facing against the Crusaders? Yeah. So the Crusaders played an independent schedule like Chicago hope did. Um, and I think sometimes when you play an independent schedule, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly, you know, how strong that schedule was. And certainly when you draw it up, there's kind of that crapshoot of you don't, you're kind of at the mercy of, you know, kind of luck of the draw sometimes. Is this team that you play or schedule going to have a good year? So um, based on playoff points, looking at playoff points, um, I don't think Marquette had the strongest schedule. Um, they did play. Their only loss of the year was to playoff team DMAC, and that was a close game. They almost knocked off DMAC on the road, and it kind of became one of those games where the last team with the ball was going to win because it was going back and forth and both teams were scoring. Um, but otherwise, you know, they've played really well. They've, they've won games decisively. Um, they're led by Tom Durden at running back journey Reed at running back. And the interesting thing to note for this team, which is normally typically the wing T, you know, ground and pound type of offense, Alex Graham at quarterback, he can throw the ball a little bit. They've, they've passed more than they have in years past this year. So that's an interesting wrinkle, but ultimately this Marquette team is a lot like what we talked about with a Sterling Newman type of team. They're going to play good defense. They're not Mm going to hurt themselves and they're going to control the clock on offense. They may score quickly. That's the idea, but 
they can ultimately, they can really grind out drives if they need to. That's what they're built to do. That's, that's what the wing tee and what coach Yupst has coached for years, even going back to your Morrison Mustangs, Mitch. So, yeah. Yep. We got a good history lesson from, from coach earlier in, in the year. So yep. um, yeah, good to see him still, still going, still going strong. Um, that one is this Friday at seven at Ottawa. Um, yep. Fun, fun place to play, fun stadium, cool stadium. Um, so yeah, looking, looking forward to uh, seeing how this one plays out. Yeah. I think it's an interesting matchup because like you said, with Princeville doesn't score a lot, but they don't give up a lot either. Um, yep. So I think that, um, you know, they'll have to find ways. Cause I think, you know, Marquette will come in and play a very solid overall game and can Princeville have enough offense to hang with? I don't know. We'll find out. So uh, that game, like I said, is a Friday night game. Moving just down to the next bracket down, Fulton is the seven seed at seven and two against the 10 seed Chicago Raby at six and three. This one will be on Saturday at two o'clock at Fulton High School. Mitch, the fifth straight playoff appearance for the Steamers. They yep. had two state championships in their illustrious playoff history going back to 1976 and 1991. They finished tied for second in their first year in the Northwest of State Illini. So being that they're in the NUIC now, they've been challenged. They've been battle-tested at, at seven and two. And for the most part, they passed the test. They looked really good this year. Yeah, uh, a typical Fulton team of old. Um, you know, it's no <laughs> easy feat to, to walk into the NUIC and, and come outstanding uh, tied for second at the other end of it. So... Um, this is a team that I, I think can make a run here in, in 1A. Um, the unfortunate part is that I think a lot of teams can do that from our area because 1A North is just an absolute gauntlet. Um, but, you know, with, with Keegan Van Campen, you know, Brock Mason, Patrick Lower, a dynamic offense that is just going to, to run you into the ground. Um, you know, Fulton is a, a really fun place to watch a game. It's going to be an awesome playoff atmosphere there on, uh, on Saturday afternoon, but you know, um, for, for Chicago Raby, you know, uh, Chicago public, you know, uh, ninth appearance in the playoffs, they played four, a just a couple of years ago. Um, and they even went, went all the way to the semifinals back in 2017. So, um, you know, certainly not a, a team that, you know, uh, again, coming in at six and three, not quite sure who all that they've played. Um, but, Again, as, as, as we've talked about all season, as Kyle talks about, the, the 1A state title goes to the NUIC. I don't anticipate that changing this year at all. Um, and so I, I look for Fulton to really make a statement here in, in round one. The Raiders do have a two-way star, uh, Kier Turner, who's a, who's a good player for them. Um, but the way Fulton's been playing this year, I think they're up for it. Yeah, I'm excited to see, and we'll get into some other NUIC teams here in a minute, but I'm excited to see the Northwest Upstate Illini, including Fulton now, you know, really put on a show and yep. we will talk about it. Unfortunately, they will have to meet up with each other sooner than probably we would like, but um, yep. you know, that's the way the bracket draws itself up. Someday we'll get to one through 32. I'm convinced. And then we'll, yeah. then a lot of these problems will be alleviated or at least they'll be more justified that way. But um, right. either way, the winner of this game would play the winner of Marquette and Princeville. So that they're right next to each other in the bracket. We'll keep moving down the bracket. Forreston, speaking of the NUIC, Forreston at seven and three, taking on number 14 seeded Galena at five and four. This one will be in Forreston at seven o'clock. Mitch, talk about another great place to watch a playoff game. Yeah. A Friday night in Forreston. 
they like to play those night games out there in Forest and in the playoffs. And it's, yep. that's a fun time. I've seen, actually, I've seen Forreston and Galena in the playoffs. It was one of the best games I've ever covered. So uh, that was several years ago in the semifinals, a great game. Yep. Anyway, looking at this year, Forreston's 11th straight playoff appearance. And the last one, obviously 2019, they lost in the second round. But Mitch, if it's an even year, Forreston has won a state championship in recent yeah. times. 14, 16, and 18. Now yep. we are in, you know, we are in 2021, but I'm definitely not counting out that they could make a run to win a state title this year. They, you know, they played Galena in the regular season and won that matchup 52 to 20. But man, their biggest win of the year, Mitch, we talked about it. They knocked off Lena Winslow. That I mean, that's yep. where that's where the huge statement win came for this Forest and Cardinal team. Yeah, uh, talked about just a minute ago not wanting to play Alina, or sorry, not wanting to play uh, Alito. No, I, I got that wrong again. United, <laughs> boy. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't want to play United. I certainly would not want to play Forreston because they are playing really, really good football. And kind of like Newman, the style that they play where they don't pass a lot and they've got running back by committee. I think they've got like 16 players who have, you know, rushes this year um, that just are going to dog you all game long. So, um, you know, guys like, like Matthew Beltran, uh, Jacob Fiorello, Devontae King Black, just to name a few from that Forest and team. Um, been playing really well. Um, again, a team that I think uh, has, the, has the tools uh, to make uh, a run here, uh, but they got to get past the conference full and Galena first. Yeah. So speaking of the Galena Pirates, their 31st playoff appearance, the last time they made the playoffs was 2015. So it's been a few years for Galena yeah. and they're, they're back where, where they belong, where we expect to see Galena in the playoffs. Um, they're also a state champion over the years. They won in 97, they won in 03, and they won again in 07. So they have gotten the job done in years past. They've been a team that has made deep playoff runs. Mitch, you talk about their resume, and we always yeah. talk about the NUIC being a gauntlet. Their four losses this year, Galena, come to Dupec, Forreston, Lena Winslow, and Fulton. I mean, just yeah. talk about, man, that is, that is just, it is, it's a gauntlet. I don't know what else to call yeah. it. It's just so hard to win in this conference. And if you do win, you've earned it. That's what we talk yeah. about with Fulton and Forreston and, and this Galena team. They had to get the job done in the rest of their schedule. You know, so they lost, their losses come to really good teams. The problem is one of those really good teams is the team they play in the first round. So, um, you know, they're led by Mitch, Ethan Heffel, and Brady Shemelhorn. Just every week, we're calling out those two names. They've yeah. become such a dynamic duo. Um, they've really gotten the job done for this Galena Pirates team. Yeah, and, you know, a team that had to win in week nine to, to earn uh, to earn the, the playoff eligibility, and certainly they had the playoff points to get here. So, um, you know, you wonder what they what they look at on the film from the Forreston game from earlier in the year. What can they, you know, improve on? Um, you know, I, I think they're probably playing better than, than when they lost to Forreston, but, um, you know, what can they take from that film? What can they kind of add in from what they've been doing? Have they been hiding something, you know, uh, for, for the playoffs? So, uh, yeah, I, I look for, for Galena to make, uh, to make a good battle out of this, um, because, you know, anything can happen in the playoffs. Uh, but I just, Forreston has just been so good, uh, the past couple of weeks that they're, uh, they're hard not to like in this matchup, but again, not uh, not taking anything away from Galena. Um, but uh, cool to see two conference foes in the playoffs here. Yeah, and you know, it's, we mentioned it before with other teams. 
it's not easy to knock a team off twice necessarily, yep. you know? Right. So, you know, Galena's, you know, I'm sure they're, you know, looking at everything and finding matchups and finding ways that they can try to knock off Forreston. But man, I give credit to coach Janicki and uh, what the Cardinals have done. They've looked really impressive this year. And, you know, Kyle kind of called it out from the beginning. He said to watch out for this Forreston team because Dupec and Lena Winslow were getting the headlines and, you know, Forreston has proven that they're deserving of those headlines. And, um, you know, Galena has played well. They played well enough to get to the playoffs and see, man, it would be a, it would be an upset. It would be a big upset if they could get the job done, see if they can do it Friday on the road at Forreston at seven o'clock. Mitch, we are down to one game left in Ooh. class 1A. Man, talk about who knew that we would save Lena Winslow for the last game that yeah. we talk about yeah. in class 1A. Lena Winslow, the sixth seed at seven and two against the number 11 seed, Aurora Christian at six and three. If you feel like you've heard Lena Winslow versus Aurora Christian before, Mitch, it's because we have heard that before, haven't we? Yeah, right. Uh, a lot. Um, yeah, this will be the third straight playoffs that these two teams have met. Uh, Lena won both. They won 57-14 in 2018, 46-8 in 2019. I want to say the 2018 game was in the quarterfinals or maybe even the semifinals, I think. Um, must have, It must have been the quarterfinals, I think. Any, anyway, um, so, so yeah, two teams that are certainly familiar with one another. Um, Lena, obviously, still your defending 1A state champions. They kind of um, are kind of – I'm not going to say they're limping in because I, I don't think that, but um, – in a, in a different position than what they've been in, in previous, uh, in previous seasons. Yeah. It's, it's not, I think, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Lena Winslow might be like the best seven and two team. Yeah. Maybe in this, in this playoff field, you know, any, at any level um, it's just, you know, yeah, they, they come in with uh, two tough losses, but um, there's so many weapons on this team, which we've talked about Mari Roby, Luke Benson at quarterback, Ethan Fye has put up the big numbers. Um, this is a team that I don't think we need to tell anyone. They already know, but the pedigree's there. State champions in 2010, 2013, 2017, 2019. So them and Forreston have gone back and forth, trading, you know, trading state championships year in and year out. So, yep. and on the other side, Aurora Christian, the la they made the playoffs in 2019, lost in round one but this is their third straight playoff appearance. They won state titles in 2011 and 2012. This year, they haven't beaten a team with a winning record. So yeah. that's interesting. They've held opponents to under 10 points in five of their wins. So, you know, this is a team similar to Bishop Mack, similar to IC Catholic. They play in a big conference. They're playing a lot of teams that are bigger than them week in and week out. And then they fall down into the, you know, 1A bracket for this being Aurora Christian into the 1A bracket. Alina's been able to, you know, has had their number, has been able to knock them off. Yeah. But it's always just an interesting matchup. I do think it helps that Aurora Christian has to go on the road to Lena Winslow. Mm -hmm. I think that Lena is a tough place to play and even harder place to win. So I think that bodes well. And I, I think just overall, to, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. So yep. I think if you're going to, if you're going to win anything, you got to go through Lena Winslow. Yeah. Lena is definitely the Ric Flair of, uh, of one. <laughs> um, and their head coach's name is, 
is Rick, and it's spelled the see, same they, way. Yeah, so. see, it all it all adds up. Our our, our wrestling podcast is really going to be on something. <laughs> um, we talk a lot about Lena's offense, um, but they've got the lowest scoring average defense in one A, just averaging ten points or allowing just ten points a game. So that's what you know really puts them in a good position for for years, uh, uh, really. So you know, lost to Dupac, um, and, and a tough loss against Forreston, you know, that, that required Forreston to come back in the final minute, minute and a half. Um, it's just an overall really good uh, football game that any, either team could have won. But, you know, um, again, if things go historically the way that they have in this matchup, Lena wins, and let's just say Forreston wins their game, there's your rematch in round two. Crazy. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that it's round two, but, man, that will be an electric atmosphere. I mean, yep. if those two meet up right away again – I, you know, it's easy to say, oh man, Lee Wynn comes in and they're reeling, you know, they've had two losses now, but I kind of, if you flip that narrative a little bit and say, maybe you just kind of poke the bear a little bit and you made them angry, you know, yeah. now they jump into the 1A playoffs and you know, they play with that pride of they're still the defending 1A state champions and yes. they don't want anyone to take it away from them. So I think that, you know, this team, this program, they're well coached, they're ready for this moment. And they have the athletes who certainly won't be, you know, there won't be a lack of focus. This Lee yeah. Win team, regardless of what the regular season has brought their way, they'll be ready to go come playoff time. And it, it's really hard for me to pick against them when you get into the playoff time. Yeah, a lot, a lot of these players were on that state championship team. So they're, they're going to be ready. They're not going to be, they, you know, the moment's not going to be too big for them. So uh, I do look for Lena to, to get back on the right track here. Uh, and potentially again, uh, get to that rematch either, either against Forreston or Galena. Um, but I, I think we would agree it's probably looking like Forreston. Uh, and, and what a game that would be, man. That would be just, uh, it could be a, a de facto state championship, really. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up all of the 11 man football Ooh. teams that we have. Ooh. We got through it, Mitch, but we still got one layer left to unpeel yep. here to unpack. Let's yep. jump into the eight-man football playoffs. And yep. Mitch, when you're talking eight-man football, they're seeding them one through 16. So yep. there's no, no north and south divide. They go one through 16. And when you're looking at those seedings, you got number one, Polo, number two, Milledgeville, number three, Orangeville, and then down a few, number seven, Freeport-Aquin. So one through three and then Aquin at seven, the NUIC powers right there in the and, mix in the eight man ranks and 10, 10 at Amboy. That's right. And yeah. And the, the round out that 10 is Amboy yep. who who's come up with some big wins this season. So the NUIC, I believe if you're going to win a state championship in eight man, you're going to have to go through the NUIC. And I yep. honestly believe one of those teams we just mentioned, they're going to be the one that holds that holds the trophy at the end of the year. Yeah, it, it could very well be be Polo. The way that the way that they put up numbers and the way that they stop opposing teams from scoring is just uh, is really really special. Um, you know, I had a close game against Milledgeville, who I think uh, can uh, you know make make a run there. Um, and I think you'll see a lot of rematches here. You know, obviously with with not as much of a, a playing pool, you see a you see these teams that have already played in the, in the regular season. And I think that they will play again. So um, when, when they seed it this way and with the, you know, 
number of teams. I say lack of teams, but I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah. Um, it, it's a chance to see a lot of rematches of, of games that, uh, that were fun in the regular season. Yeah. Um, I, when you start looking through it, Polo is obviously one of the favorites. They have to be, they're the nine and undefeated team at, at the number one seed. But man, I Milledgeville has got to be gunning to get back at a, to get back at them to get another shot. Yeah. The way Connor Nye has played this season and really come on as an ad dynamic athlete for the missiles, along with Ashton Nobis. I mean, they fell two points short in week one, way back in week one to Polo. Yeah. You know that they want to get another crack at them. And if they yep. get it, it would be in the state championship game. I I think that's a very likely possibility that we see that. I mean, Polo led by um, Brock Soltau, Avery Grenoble. I mean, just the athletic playmakers that they've had. And let's not forget number three, Orangeville, Gunnar Lobdell. We've talked a lot yep. about him. Carson Road at quarterback. You know, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that Orangeville could be in this mix too. You know, that would be a potential quarterfinal matchup with either Aquin or Milledgeville potentially. So yeah, you, you could have three of the four semifinalists being from the NUIC eight man ranks. And I think, I don't think that's out of the realm. Um, you know, I, I, I would see Polo in probably West central coming yep. out of those first couple ones. And then man, if Milledgeville and Orangeville played again, they played early in the year and Orangeville uh, or sorry, Milledgeville really took it to them. They beat them by 30. Uh, Orangeville, the Broncos are probably looking to, to get another, another crack at them. Um, and then from there, anything could happen, I think. So, um, yeah, would love to see, would love to see Milledgeville and Polo. That would be a lot of fun. Um, but anything, anything can happen because there's a lot of good teams here. Uh, even from the South bracket, we haven't talked about anybody from the South. Um, they, they could make a surprise, a team like, uh, you know, St. Thomas Moore out of Champaign, um, Martinsville. So, uh, yeah, this this will be a lot of fun. It, even though, you know, as we've said before, the IHSA needs to make this a, a sanctioned uh, and official "quote unquote" state championship. But it's cool that they they do this on their own, so to speak, because uh, these kids deserve it. Yeah, you mentioned it. I think one of the most intriguing matchups in round one is that Martinsville at number six at seven and two going up against Champagne uh, St. Thomas More at five and four. Yep. I mean, St. Thomas Moore is sitting at five and four, but I, I think they're better than that record indicates. And that's a, that's a tough matchup right there. Like you called them out earlier. Uh, West Central plays Decatur Lutheran. That's an interesting one. I think West Central dealt with a lot of health injuries during the regular season. If they're back to full strength, I think as, as many as five starters were out during the regular season. Hmm. That's, I mean, you think about it. Five is a lot let alone what level you're playing, but eight man, especially, you know, that, that hurts. So um, I would look out for West central also like Flanagan Cornell Woodland sitting there at the five seed is seven and two on the year. They got a pretty good resume coming in. So the, the eight man division is intriguing because when you yep. rank it one through 16, it makes it a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm curious to kind of follow along. And uh, you know, I really think we're going to see, we're going to have a lot of talking points. I think, I think a lot of our NUIC teams are going to yep. keep rolling that direction and we're going to have plenty to talk about moving down the list. Yeah, I think so too. We'll, we'll uh, for weeks to come really, I, I think, especially in eight man. So yeah, looking, looking forward to it. Well, Mitch, before we wrap things up, I kind of just want to go back through 
Do you yeah. have your brackets pulled up? And we'll start just yeah. kind of going back up the list, maybe in class 1A. And let's just talk about the brackets and what you see and teams that you, you know, think could make a run or some teams that you're maybe looking at that you think could be dangerous and maybe they're not on everybody's radar or, you know, what do you see here in, in class 1A? Yeah, let's, you know, we, we talk so much about the North and I, I think, you know, somebody just looking at how everything is, is kind of arranged here. I, I think our teams, quote unquote, our teams will make runs, um, you know, into the quarterfinals. But if we go down to the South, a team that is, is really scary, I think, and will probably be the South representative in the championship is a team like Athens, who beat yep. Moroa Forsyth earlier this year. Um, they are really, really dynamic team. Um, obviously, Camp Point Central, um, uh, Carrollton, uh, two teams that we see a lot. Um, yep. Now, and, and historically, again, the North um, in the 1A the 1A winner usually comes from that north side of the bracket, but there's some really strong teams on here, but spotlight goes on to Athens because I think that's the team that's going to represent the South. Athens, you are correct. Yes. Athens, sorry. Athens, <laughs> see it, you know, I don't know. So, yes, I, I believe that, yeah, Athens is a team to watch out for sitting there at that three-seated eight and one. Man, I, I like Camp Point Central, too. In, in yeah. my weekly rankings, um, I've always kind of had them up there. I think that they play a good brand of football. And I think that they'll be ready to go this time of year. Um, you know, Moequa Central A&M is sitting at six and three at a nine seed, but I think they're they're a potential dangerous team. But ultimately, I think, you know, the, the fun for us is going to be on this northern side of the bracket. I mean, there's just with yeah. the Lena, the potential Lena Forest in round two matchup. But then you also look at there's potential for United versus Abingdon Avon rematch. Yeah. And Mitch, I... I, I like United in this bracket. I, I like their draw. I think there's a real chance for them to make a little run here. Okay. Um, yeah, if they're, if they're healthy and playing good football, I really do think that there's a chance for them to go on a little run. Um, I said it in the other night when the brackets came out. Watch out for St. Bede, too. Yeah. St. Bede's yep. a battle-tested team. Their resume speaks for itself. I mean, their their losses were to Kiwani and Princeton. So, yep. you know... They, they come in and, you know, I week in and week out, I think some of their scores kind of surprised me. I thought they'd win some games bigger, but ultimately they got the job done. They won the games. So that's a team with an athlete like Fortney. I, I, I want to see yep. what they can do. And, um, and Mitch, my Marquette Crusaders, they're, they're a little young. Yep. I think they only got three seniors right now, but I think that um, they're a team built for this time of year. I want to see. You know, they've been, they've, they've knocked off some NUIC teams in the past. They'd have to do it again. Yeah. Obviously. It, yeah it'd be a pretty impressive run to, to <laughs> get, to get first past Princeville. Yes. And then you're probably playing Fulton. Yeah. And then even if you were to get past that, you're playing probably Forreston or Lena. So yeah. it would be quite the impressive run for Marquette to do that. Not saying they couldn't, it's just going to be tough. Well, I joked with Kyle Kampmeyer that that was uh that was how I started listening to his weekly NUIC football show as it was because it was Marquette playing all the NUIC teams back yeah. in, uh, you know, 2015, I think it was. So, uh, yep. you know, we'll see, we may have some of those matchups again and I, and I love it, man. I look forward to it. Um, yeah. you know, as side note, as a fan, you know, cause I want to see if Marquette could get it done, but I think it's just right. great football and it's great to see, um, you know, these teams, you know, do battle in the north end of the bracket. You know, sometimes yeah, this is yeah, we 
we, we've talked about it all year and, and now we're finally here and we finally get to see who's going to come out of this one a, because there's no undefeated teams. Every team is beatable. Yeah. And every team is equally tough. So it's, yep. it's really going to be a lot of fun and hard to predict. So uh, I'll be happy just to sit back and just see what happens. Cause I, I truly don't really know. <laughs> yep. Well, Mitch, let's move into class two a, what do you, yeah. uh, what do you see in two a, do you want to talk a little bit about the South bracket or what do you see here? Let's see. Yeah, a lot of traditional, you know, teams. Um, obviously, Nashville was uh, the, the team that Newman beat for the title in 19. So they're back as the sixth seed at 8-1. and one. An 8-1 and one team as a sixth seed. That's, you know, how, how it goes to show how, uh, how tough the South is. They have one, two, three, four undefeateds in the South. But, yeah, uh, I mean, look no, look no further than the number one. St. Teresa, I think they will be the representative here from the South. Um, maybe against a team like Moroa Forsyth, who always seems to, to make a run, um, lost to Athens this year, but, um, wouldn't put it past them. Um, one team, you know, I will, one team I yeah. will say down there, not so fast in the South bracket. Okay. I'm saying watch for breeze modern day. Okay. Yep. They're nine yep. and oh, and they played an independent schedule. Some of which again, like we talked about with St. Bede was three, a four, a type schools. So, Yep. I think that they played a, their resumes pretty solid and obviously sitting at nine and oh, you know, they've gotten the job done this year. That's a team I look for uh breeze yep. modern day. And if we go up North, uh, you know, we talked about the Mercer County Newman game is really going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that the winner will play Wilmington, who is a really, really good program yep. as, as, the, as the top ranked team. Um, but again, I, I think we have potential to see a lot of the teams that we cover uh, into round two. Um, on the kind of the, the, the bottom bracket or bottom side of the North bracket, you see, we mentioned them earlier, a DMAC team who they've been to playoffs, you know, like 29 straight times, something like that. Farmington obviously sitting there as the three seed Um, Tremont and moments. uh, I think those are conference foes, I I think. So uh, that's a rematch there. So I could see, you know, maybe in the semifinals, like a Farmington, um, yeah, man, it's tough. Probably Wilmington, I, I guess they're just they're just that good. So, but yeah. ultimately, I think two A will go to St. Teresa, and I would consider anything else to be an upset. Honestly, just the way that they just how good that they are. Yeah, I agree. I think St. Teresa is probably the it could the, happen the front I think runner. It would just be an upset. Yeah, yeah, I think St. Teresa is the front runner. Um, again, I, I like Breeze Modern Day. Mitch, get a back on the northern half of the bracket. How yeah. about if Knoxville can get past Bishop McNamara, they can win in advance, yep. and Erie Prophetstown can advance. How about Erie Prophetstown versus Knoxville? That yeah. sounds like a great matchup. Yep, that would be that would be a lot of fun uh, with the winner going to the quarters. So um, would like to see either one of those guys have a chance at uh, Wilmington or uh, Mercer County or a Newman there in the quarters. Yep, I and I I, I think that. Yeah, that Newman-Mercer County matchup, like you said, is going to be really fun because of the way that both teams come in. And last thing before we wrap up, 2A, man, I think Rock Ridge is better than a 5-4 and four football team. Yep. I think yep. that if they if they can put it all together and play that that same effort that they gave against Kiwani, man, watch out, Tri-Valley. I think you could see potentially see an upset there. Yep. So, Mitch, into 3A. You know, starting at the northern half of the bracket, we know Princeton and Dupec, and obviously, you know, IC Catholic. 
But up at that one seed, Byron, you know, I feel like they're kind of a quiet one seed. They're sitting at yeah. nine and zero, and they do this year in and year out. It seems like yep. they're you know the Tigers once again. They're in that spot, in that prime spot. Yeah, I think they got a pretty good draw too with with yep. what teams are you know beneath them that they would run into. So um, yeah, really good team for the Tigers this year. Going further down, obviously, I, I think Princeton North Boone is going to be a really fun game. Um, and then you go a little bit further down where you could potentially see in the second round a Dupec versus an IC Catholic, which I think would be a, a heck of a lot of fun. You could even eventually see a Princeton versus IC or a Princeton versus a Dupec. I would, I would love to see uh, Princeton and Dupec. Um, uh, again, that would require IC to lose, which could happen. Yep. Um, and Dupec would be, you know, one of the better teams equipped to do that. So um, a lot of intrigue there, a lot of potential for some matchups. Um, in the South, it's a lot of names that we see a lot. Tolono Unity, um, you know, Paxton Buckley-Loda, uh, Mount Carmel's in there playing St. Joe Ogden. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Carlinville sitting there at seven is, is an interesting draw. I think uh, – they could make some noise there, but, uh, you know, um, don't forget about Williamsville, uh, won a state championship. I don't know if it yep. was in 19, but they've won a state title recently. Yep. They lost their first game of the year to a, I think a really good school, a bigger school out of Wisconsin. Okay. And they've rolled the eight straight wins after that. So they're, they're, I think they're, they're might even be one of the top ranked teams in, uh, in three, a really. Uh, yeah, even despite a four seed. So, so they're hanging out there in the middle at the four seed. I also, you know, you look at Monticello, uh, yeah. Coley Welter led team there. He's a great coach and gets, you know, gets teams to perform this time of year, man, Tolono unity. They're always, you know, they're always there. Uh, that yep. number nine, that nine and oh at that number one seed, Mitch, the way the bracket kind of shapes up, you know, up on top with IC Catholic, I think that draws the headlines for us and for everybody. Yep. But our area has potentially three shots to knock them off. You got yep. Monmouth Roseville in round one. You potentially then have Dupec would get a chance potentially or Mendota in round two. And then again, if things play out, you have a shot again in round three with Princeton. Yeah. I, I, you know, I just, I just, I love the opportunity. I love the chance for one of our teams to kind of slay the, you know, to slay the giant, to take out, to take out the big name. And I, I think there's a shot. I, I, you know, any of those teams, but I think Princeton, if it plays out and they're both there, man, I think Princeton could do it. You know, I, I, I would love to see Princeton make that run. And if they got to go through IC Catholic, I think that's even more validating if they can make it work. Yeah. What is, what do Knights do? Do they joust? Is that right? So someone's got to be a better jouster <laughs> against IC. So sure. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds right. It's it's 1 a.m. where I'm at, Greg. We're we're getting, you know, uh into the oh into my the bad, gosh, I didn't even think about that. We're getting into the bad joke section of this podcast. <laughs> All right. So we, well, got, let's, we got a ways to, we got a ways to go too. Well, we don't have to go through every we'll we'll kind of wrap it up here real quick. Um no, no, we're we're good. We're 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 good. Four we're in, four A's four A is an exciting bracket. Four A is a, a complete toss-up because it is loaded with stars. Yep, yep. Well, let's go through them. Yeah. Uh obviously sitting at the top, Joliet Catholic um uh, as unbeatable as they've they've ever been um you know Genoa Kingston is a four seed at eight and one St. Francis um Peoria Notre Dame is in here Richmond Burton 
just all the names that we typically see Stillman Valley, Kiwani and Plano, yep. Chicago Phillips and Dixon. Dixon had a great year um, in, in the South Rochester playing Cahokia, you know, um, just Sacred Heart Griffin sitting there at, at three, a Quincy Notre Dame team in there at the sixth seed. So this, this 4A, um, boy, if, if you had a Joliet Catholic in a, in a Rochester state championship, man, that's a pay-per-view type of game. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to our local team in class yeah. 4A. I mean, I think Kiwani's got a decent draw. I think yeah, that, you I know, think so. you never, you know, every, every playoff team comes ready to go. Plano could, will be ready to could, go. Could you imagine a Kiwani Dixon game in the second round? How fun that, would that be? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just looking at. Yeah. So I think, Overall, I think Kiwani's got a good draw here for as good as they've played. I think there's some, there's some games they could win here. Um, there's a chance for them, but um, yep. yeah, you got Julia Catholic up there at nine and oh, as the number one seed. I think they're, they gotta be a favorite, but um, yeah. just looking into the middle of the bracket, I kind of like what Kiwani's got. Yep. Mitch into five a Sterling. Like we talked about as the four seed Glenbard South at eight and one is the number one seed up there. Um, Sycamore High School, who we're familiar with, is uh, up mm-hmm. there at nine. Rochelle is just below Sterling. So several teams surrounding our part of the state, um, you know, are in the mix here. Um, but let me, let me, I think, I think this is where you start to get into more upsets. Yep. Because I could see a Caneland at 15 beating Fenwick, a, a two seed. Yeah, I could see I could see Nazareth Academy as a 14 seed beating, you know, whoever Chicago good is. Yeah, um, absolutely. Kankakee in the South, they are really good. Um, they they play. I want to say they play in the same conference as Bishop McNamara because Bishop McNamara is in Kankakee. Yeah, um, they they are really, really good. They've got a player. I don't know his name, but he's a he's a, a really top recruit in the nation. Um, Morris sitting there. You always see Morris, uh, around this time. So, um, yeah, this is, but again, in in 5A and up, you start to see more of those schools that play a tougher, a tougher conference against bigger schools. And you just, you can't think that it's a five and four team. It's a pushover because you're going to see some five and four teams win. I'll put, I'll, I'll, I'll make that prediction that we'll be talking about this next week. Um, and and see, we may not talk about the game, but we'll see that that happens. Interesting to note that the 5A bracket is still broken up amongst 1 through 16 and 1 through 16, but yet Carbondale travels to Kankakee. That right. is a haul. That is yeah. <laughs> for, for dividing the state up. That is still, that is about yeah. the longest trip you can make through Illinois. Yeah, and, and like you said, too, a potential second-round matchup, uh, Sterling and Rochelle would be, would be would a be heck fun. of a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, look, uh, we'll look forward to that. Um, at the top of the bracket, the 16 seed, Chicago Bulls, that is an actual school. They're called <laughs> Chicago Bulls Prep. I swear. It is yeah. an actual school. They use the Bulls logo. I don't know what affiliation they have, but it's Chicago Bulls Prep. There, yeah. Yep. There you go. All right. Well, Chicago Bulls will have their work cut out for them as the, uh, as the 16 yeah. seed going up against yeah. Glenbard South. But uh, yep. all right. In class 6A, looking through the bracket. Obviously, we have Rock Island playing Springfield. Just down the way, I think the team you got to consider one of the favorites is East St. Louis. They're sitting at yeah. seven and two in the four seed, but they're they're a dominant force 
in Illinois high school football. And what's interesting is they're playing Riverside Brookfield, and that's who Bishop Mack had to beat in week nine. Now, keep in mind, we're talking 6A football, and Bishop Mack is what, 2A? Yeah. (laughs) So, man, Bishop Mack had to earn it to get in to beat a 6A school. They beat him pretty handily, too. So, yeah. Uh, and, and again, to see East St. Louis at a four seed is really, really a sight. Yeah. Um, and uh, you said, I'm not sure who they, they might've lost. They might've went out of state. I don't, I don't know. I think but, they, yeah, they played some tough matchups. Yeah. They played some big time games, nationwide type games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, San Ignatius, um, you've got, like you, like you said, uh, Brookfield, that, 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 that might be a good game. East St. Louis against Brookfield. Uh, obviously, we're excited about Rock Island and, and Springfield. I think that will be a good matchup. Lamont, the number one seed. I don't know a whole lot about Lamont, but uh, they're nine and zero in the number one seed. Uh, Lake Forest uh, in the in the northern half, Wakanda, um, and Kerry Grove sitting there at the top. So I was going to say Kerry uh, Grove kind of takes the headline for me being the number one seed, nine and zero. They're always a good program. Um, well, Mitch, let's wrap it up. We got one more team. One more bracket left for our yeah. local area. That's Moline. They're in 7A. They're seated number five against the 28th seed Hampshire. Uh, Batavia up there at 9-0 and as the yep. number one overall seed. Uh, Rockton Hananiga at 9-0 and as the number two seed. Um, who else do we have down the list here? Um, Wheaton North at the four. They're 8-1. and one. So, yeah, Mitch, anything you see that stands out to you? Uh, let's see, I've seen uh, I've seen some brother Rice games. They can run the ball. They're they're seven and two as a nine seed. So, um, yeah, you look at where Moline as having it. If if they can get past Hampshire, they would play either a Whitney Young or a Willowbrook. Uh, and and again, having not seen too much of them, I, I know Whitney yeah. Young's a good basketball school. I don't think about them as football, but they're obviously yeah. not bad. Hananiga coming in at nine and zero, peaking. That would be a good second round game. So, um, yeah, a lot of normal community Eisenhower. A lot of a lot of the teams that we've seen, Lincoln Way West. I think they've got a couple titles to their name. So, uh, yeah, the, these big boy football uh, games are, are really going to be fun to watch. Yeah. So, Mitch, that wraps it up. That's we've yep. gone through the brackets. We've gone through the matchups. We've talked about every team that's in our area that's in the playoffs. Man, I'm excited to watch some playoff football. Yeah. And if to listeners, if you've made it this far, you are a true uh, <laughs> award-winning listener because this is this is probably our longest show, no doubt about it. But yeah, you know, uh the most important because this is this is when it's uh you know down to the nitty-gritty. So um it's, this was a fun show. Yeah, this was great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, you know getting a couple games up on a live stream and watching yeah. either on Friday or Saturday. So yeah, as, um, much, as, as much as I don't like Friday playoff games, it's nice that they are broken up so we can kind of get a little bit more games. Yep. Um, so yeah. Oh, and one more thing uh, to, uh, to Matt Randazzo, this show was no edits. So take that. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Straight, we went what? Like three hours straight through. Oh my gosh. Well, Mitch, thank you so much for joining me to everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. We'll have you updated on Friday night. We'll have you updated on Saturday. We'll keep all the scores rolling in and all the info you need to know about the first round of the Illinois high school football playoffs. Mitch, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and we're here. 
yeah, I hope everyone saw the video that Greg put together. That was uh, <laughs> that's a cool idea. It's getting a lot of play. I've seen it as we've been talking. People have been liking it and retweeting it. So uh, we hope everyone enjoys uh, this time as much as we do and uh, strap in for the next five weeks. That's right. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.